Blog Talk Radio. The opening statement is we got our ass kicked.
that was built up during the course of an 8-1 and one start to this football season has been lost. It became about what they did then, just as the song said. It was disappointment. There really couldn't be a more appropriate word, but disappointment will turn the hope tomorrow as National Signing Day arrives with a new class of Hurricane players, including highly touted Miami Palmetto defensive tackle Leonard Taylor and defensive back James Williams from American Heritage. Meanwhile, it has been the most bizarre recruiting cycle of our time, with no official visits and no coach travel. But Miami took advantage of the coronavirus situation and appears to have locked in most of the top talent in South Florida, barring any late drama tomorrow morning. The class could form a good nucleus for Manny Diaz as he continues striving to establish himself as a head coach. We will preview that signing class tonight in the 10 o'clock hour with the Dean of South Florida High School Football Mr. Larry Bluestein, he'll be joining me, and we will talk about all of the recruits that are expected to become Miami Hurricanes tomorrow. Before then, we will try to decipher what went wrong in the North Carolina game as we begin this new edition of Kane Sport Live, presented tonight by JFQ Lending, your full-service mortgage provider licensed in more than 40 states. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live, what is sure to be an animated edition tonight as we slice and dice everything that came before us on Saturday. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. Five zero. More than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. You know the drill by now. You want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad that puts you in the queue, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show, and we will address those um, as we move along here in the first couple hours, um, try to make sure we move through them uh, so that we could spend most of the last hour talking about recruiting. All right, so there's two particular hot buttons that we need to address right from the start here. Um, many of you have been shouting out loud for massive changes now on the defensive side of the organization in the wake of Saturday's historically poor performance. You want to see Blake Baker replaced as defensive coordinator. You want to see Manny Diaz bring in an entirely new philosophy and sideline himself as the defensive guru or voice of this program. Um, whether that's re reality or not, we could, we could talk about. But first, take a listen to what Manny said when we asked him about Blake Baker and the defensive staff. I mean, to me, look, I'll answer the, the question about staff really the same way I did a year ago, which is that, you know, my feeling is, is that you wait for a season to end. Um, you evaluate the season in, in its entirety. Uh, and then you do what's best to, to improve the football team, you know, and, and uh, it obviously worked for us a year ago. And I think, um, you know, my job is to, again, get away from the emotion 
of, of results either in, in the super positive or in the super negative. We had a really bad uh, result last weekend, and it, it doesn't hurt anybody more than it hurts Blake. And really, it's not just Blake; it's really the entire defensive staff. And uh, and it hurts me because obviously, you know, you know, defense is something that I've always taken pride in, and, and have never seen a day um, like this past Saturday. Um, so right now, the focus is what we have to do is we have to rebuild. We have to rebuild it. We got to rebuild it for for the bowl game. You know, whenever we find out where we're going and who we're playing, uh, we got to put out a performance. You know, just remember, just seven days ago, it was the exact opposite, right? I mean, seven days ago, it might have been our best defensive performance of the year. Um, opposition certainly has something to say in that, but 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 the extremes of how well we played one weekend to how poorly we played the other weekend. Um, you know, so my responsibility is to is to get it back on track as as the head coach. Um, you know, and then Blake and our defensive staff right along in line uh, to make sure that that's, a, that's an outlier that we never see again. So can you talk a little bit about just how you guys approach defense and, and game planning and, and calling a game on game day? My understanding has been that it's somewhat of a group effort. So, yeah, I mean, as a defensive staff, um, not really all that dissimilar to when I was defensive coordinator. You know, we, 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 have, a, we have a very tight staff. We have guys that have been together for a long time. Uh, we all game plan together, um, you know, early throughout the course of the week. Um, I'm in every defensive meeting uh, that ever takes place. Um, you know, Blake, as a defense coordinator, you know, organizes all the practices. Um, and I'm on the defensive field the entire time, you know, during practice. Um, and Blake calls the defenses on game day. And so that's been that's been our – our MO now here for a couple of years, the way we have, but that's, look, I mean, not, nothing, nothing um, could point to a performance like what we did past Saturday. Uh, everybody, including myself, has to take full ownership of it. Um, and as, as I keep saying, what matters really is what happens now going forward. And we've got a chance to, to fix it and then take a look at where we are um, at the end of the year, which is, you know, which is ultimately my job. All right. I have a hard time seeing Manny firing his defensive coaches after everything that they've gone through this year with the coronavirus and everything else. I, I just, I'm, I, I know how everybody feels. I just don't see it happening. You just heard him talk about how it's a group effort on defense and essentially firing Blake Baker is firing himself. And I've been trying to screen this out the entire year. Uh, Manny is involved in everything on the defensive side of the football, from the game planning to what's going to be called in what situations Blake Baker might be telling, but might be making the signals or telling others what the signals are going to be play to play when it's second and five from the 30 yard line. But what that call is going to be has been discussed incessantly during the course of the week as they look at the opponent's tendencies and decide how they want to attack it and, and how they want to attack in different scenarios during the course of the game. So maybe somebody decides to leave on their own, you know, we'll see. But me personally, I have a hard time seeing him firing his defensive staff and bringing in a whole new defensive staff with a whole new philosophy and making himself a ceremonial head coach. I, I just can't, I just can't imagine Manny deciding to go in that direction. Um, but we'll see. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I know that's what a lot of people want. You know, there's, there's obviously been a lot of debate on the message boards and things like that. But 
you know, I'm, I'm he- hesitant to talk too much about what they've gone through because it sounds like you're making excuses when you do that. And, and that's the last thing that I ever do. I don't make excuses for anything. I think everything's, you know, all about accountability. Um, nobody could have been more, you know, come, come stronger at the end of last season when they went six and seven and lost to those teams at the end of the year. And it was the biggest disaster in college football. And we discussed it on this show with that in mind. And yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was harsh conversation because program was an absolute mess. I mean, it was the greatest train wreck in college football at the end of last year. Well, that's not where we are right now. I mean, you know, everyone's disappointed and, 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 and everything, but I mean, they, it was just beating the teams in the ACC that we all out here think that they should beat every single year. Just doing that this year until this North Carolina game is a forward step. And it should be treated like a forward step. It shouldn't excuse what happened Saturday night. That was a total debacle. But to to try to make an argument that they've lost all their equity and the season's a disaster and all that, I'm I'm just not buying into that personally. I, I know some of you guys are, and I'm sure we'll talk about that quite a bit here tonight. Um, but you know, look, a lot of coaches have been in and out the last few weeks. Um, with different levels of health issues due to the coronavirus, okay? And, and, and I'm not going to violate, at this point, personal health privileges and stuff like that by going into gory details, but it has been chaotic on the defensive side of the football. Now, we didn't see the remnants of that at Duke. I mean, the Duke game, they played spectacularly on defense, but I think we got to remember they were going against a Duke team that really – didn't even have its toes in the water in that game. They they clearly had zero interest in being there. Uh, we talked about that on this show that that was going to likely be the case, and they really mounted very little challenge. And and it, you know that was obviously a mirage. Okay, North Carolina was a different beast. North Carolina was the most explosive offensive football team in the United States this year. Okay, more explosive than Alabama and Florida and and everybody else had more big plays and and explosive plays than any other team in the country. So you're, I don't care where the game's being played, Hard Rock or in Chapel Hill, you come into a game against that team, you better have your shit together, okay? And Miami didn't have its shit together at all. And that was, you know, obvious to, to all of us from the very beginning. And, you know, the stat sheet certainly told the story afterwards when they gave up more yards than any defense in the history of Miami Hurricane football. Um, so everything crash landed. They were woefully unprepared and Carolina was stoked to take advantage of it. And, um, you know, so we see a lot of schools out there making coaching changes and, um you know, obviously a lot of people are thinking in that direction, but, ha- you know, how does a second year head coach fire the offensive staff that he hired after year one and then come back in year two and do the same thing on the defensive side of the ball? So you're telling me you become a head coach, you hire a staff and you're going to fire pretty much all 10 coaches in your first 24 months on the job. I mean, when do you ever see that happen? Like that, that, that's the, that's a that would be a sad commentary that Manny would be making on himself and his ability to hire coaches. I don't I just don't I don't see it happen. All right, you know, 
And then you add the fact that this is Manny's defense, and it would be like firing himself. So I just I don't see that happening. So let's move on. And I'm sure we'll talk about that once we get to your calls. The next hot button is obviously De'Ara King and the anxiety over whether, over whether he will decide to return in 2021. On face value, it would seem now is the time for King to go find out if he can make it in the National Football League. I think that was his plan as recently as a couple of weeks ago. And maybe it still is, but I do think there's an opening. The new name image likeness rule that almost certainly is coming into effect in January might be an opening for the Hurricanes to pull together a consortium of local businesses who will pay King for endorsements that would allow him to make enough money to make it worthwhile for him to stay and be a Miami Hurricane one more year. We'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be a great test of this new system and how impactful it might or might not be. Because let's face it, if you're a local business and, and you're looking to for somebody to represent your car dealership or something, I mean, who that's coming back on next year's team would you look to to do that? Uh, you know, assuming that the the Phillip, even even if Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche come back, I mean, you, you're gonna you're gonna hire Quincy Roche to help you sell cars. I, I you know, like to me, the guy that's positioned right now to do that is De'Ara King, and I think that this is gonna be a great test of how impactful the name image likeness thing is gonna be. And um, I know Manny has. Um, a great vision for that. And I, we talked to him about the return of De'Ara King and about the endorsement aspect of it. This is what he said. I don't, I don't think Derek has ever been in the same offense system two years in a row. Um, and so just to be able to come back and, and, and have the continuity of, of, of staff and, and the players around him uh, would be a immense benefit. And then really all you have to do is look at North Carolina on offense, you know, year two in a, in a system that's not really dissimilar to ours in some ways. Um, and if you look at their numbers from last year to this year, they're just they're they're different, you know, and, and just the repetition and, and getting comfortable and doing it, and then the chemistry and all the things we missed out on by, you know, by losing you know half of March, April, May, and you know in June, and not even be able to throw seven on seven in the summer, you know. So there's so much more, um, you know, to be accomplished. I think with our offensive personnel, and I and I think they feel that. Does with the name image likeness coming into play most likely in January? Does that become a factor in maybe trying to get him to come back next year? Um, possibly, you know, people in the community rallying together and getting him involved in endorsements, things like that, that might make it more appealing for him to pat, to wait a year to go try to take his shot in the National Football League? I would hope so. Um, I, you know, I would hope that name, image, and likeness, um, you know, when that gets voted in in January and, and, and implemented there afterwards, I would hope that would help a lot of our, our, our young men, you know, starting with the Eric. But I, I think that's a great opportunity for our community, you know, with South Florida, with all the, the, the commerce and, you know, and the size of our economy down here compared to, you know, some of the programs that we have to compete against. I, I, I think that could be a boon for, for Miami Hurricanes football and a chance for us to really rally around our players and, and, um, and in a proper and, and, and um, allowable way uh, for those guys to be able to maximize – their brand, you know, and, 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 and especially whether it's the Eric being the brand of being the, the, you know, our starting quarterback, especially if he comes back next year, a year from now and where he would rank in terms of returning quarterbacks in the country. So, um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know that that'll be the one thing that anyone says, here's why I'm returning, but, but it certainly can't, it can't hurt. Um, and we're going into a new era of, of college football, you know, not just with that, but with some other rules. And, and, uh, but that's one I think we've got to take advantage of down here in South Florida. All right, so so much to talk about. Let's uh, let's get right out to your calls. The number five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We're going to begin tonight. Looks like in the eight seven zero, where I believe that's Lemuel. I don't know how the heck he got in the number one spot. I think this is a first. But Lemuel, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? What's up? It's, it's actually the second. It is a okay. <laughs> so how you doing? What you got? Uh, what's on your mind? All right, so I want to start off too. I want to start off saying this before I start ripping people. Uh, <laughs> Main BF should of course be head coach. He should be the head coach. Eight and two is a great job. Um, after you had a year six and seven, of course the last game didn't go how it how it goes. Um, of course, I see some weaknesses, but 82, that's progress. That's where we are. That's what type of talent we got. Um, but I do want to address that we always say, and I think me and you have debated this before, Gary. Um, when you say, man, firing Blaker would be like firing himself. Okay, so fire him. Get another defense coordinator. It was a guy named Diablo Sweeney that was the offensive coordinator at Clemson in 2008, and he was also interim head coach. Offense sucked. Are you sure he was the coordinator? Are you sure about that? Yes, I'd have to double was, check that. He was the offensive. He was the offensive coordinator, and then he became the interim coach because they fired Bowden in the season in 2008. So he ended up being the interim coach. That he went like four and two or four and three, and then the next year he became full time head coach. So the next year they won nine games his first full year, and then the next year after that they were six and seven, and the offense was horrible. And I remember him in the interview, hey. The next year, you ain't going to say our offense is horrible no more. He went and he hired um, the guy that's the Auburn offense, Chad Morris. He went and Morris, and the rest is history. Now, you got to remember this. After Chad Morris, he hired Chad Morris. I think that's one ten games that next 10 games that next year, and their defense got beat by West Virginia. West Virginia put 70 on them in the bowl game. All right, l- l- let me stop you for one second, Lemuel. All right, I'm looking okay. at Dabo's resume right now. All right, he he was not the offensive coordinator. Well, he was the last that that last year when he became the interim Thank head you. coach. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, but he but he was not a long term. This is not. You're talking in Manny Diaz. You're talking a 20 year defensive coordinator. Okay, Dabo yeah, wasn't that, that, a 20-year offensive coordinator, Lemuel. That, that, he, he had been he'd been, not, he'd been the offensive coordinator for for the that was his first season ever as a coordinator. Hey, you, okay, you're not, it's not apples to apples, man. Okay. Yes. It, oh, okay, Gary. How many yeah. years was the offensive coordinator with LSU being the offensive coordinator? How many years was he offensive coordinator uh, in his resume? That was Two. his first year being the offensive coordinator at LSU, correct? Who are you talking about? Okay, so I don't know who Joe you're talking Brady. about. Who you, that was his, who, Joe Joe Brady. I believe Joe you're Brady. correct, and he wasn't even the offensive coordinator by himself. He was the passing. I believe he's passing exactly. game coordinator. So 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 the years I'm not. I don't care. I'm talking about results. So when Dabo results was not good. That's that's my point. The results weren't good. He went and got a coach. Defense got blasted. He went and got a coach. So what you have to do is. 
if your system not good enough, just say your system not good enough. All right, but, but, but Lemuel, and, I, and I'm not saying I agree with you, disagree with you. I'm just saying you're not, you're not making apples to apples comparisons, and here's why. Okay, Manny Diaz got the head coaching job at Miami based on his body of work as a defensive coordinator. Okay, Daba Swinney did not get the head coaching job at Clemson based on his body of work as a offensive coordinator. He got the head coaching job at Clemson because the athletic director there identified him as a young coach that they could build with that he saw greatness in. Okay, and, and, and that guy obviously knew what the heck he was doing. Okay, not that dissimilar to where everyone's other favorite coach on the West Coast, Mario Cristobal got the Oregon head coaching job in a similar way. The athletic director out there identified something in Mario that he saw that he thought would lead to potential greatness at Oregon, and he gave him the head coaching job at Oregon. So not everybody follows the same path to head coaching jobs. But it was easy. Wait, wait, Lemuel. I'm going to let you obviously talk again. It was easy for Dabo to give up the control of the offense when they brought in Chad Morris because he did not have a track record in that regard. He had just started to be an offensive coordinator and he had never had success ever as an offensive coordinator and he wasn't giving up anything. You see the difference? Manny got the head coaching job here because he of, of what Blake James felt that he had done on the defensive side of the football, right or wrong. And, he, and also, too, they felt that Danny Diaz if they thought at the moment, that it wouldn't be a whole rebuild because he was already in the building and it would be more of a smooth, we could keep it kind of going type of transition. Awesome. Yeah, but how does that that wash out? I mean, they went seven and six. They got got annihilated by Wisconsin in the bowl game in New York. Who the hell wants yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of continuity? Yeah. So I don't think it was continuity. Right. I think Blake James yeah. had a predisposed opinion of Manny, and he and he wanted to make oh, Manny okay. his guy. I mean, that could be true. I'm not. I'm not debating that. But what I'm saying is, when you become a head coach, I'll give you another example. Todd Hilton at USC. Now he was offensive coordinator. His offensive sucked. He went in and got him a coordinator. It was his offense too, because he was offensive coordinator there. He had his, basically his staff, and they were doing the West Coast offense, his offense, and basically they put uh, to his fire like, hey, this offense guy, he goes completely in a whole new direction, goes to a, a running gun guy from Texas, um, North Texas, brings him along, offense looks much better. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys, if you go around the country, uh, there are plenty of guys that you know, uh, will go and switch because they know what's best for the program. It's, it's really not that hard of a fence to, to believe. Manny Diaz has to look and see that right now uh, Blake Baker is not what's best for the program. And then, too, I want to uh, talk about this, too. It's still different, I'm telling you. I have seen coaches run the same defense. Same defense. Different play callers, way different results. Same defense. And they get people that cause it differently. So Blake Baker may call it or organize because they're different people. It's not going to ever be the exact same. So with saying find yourself, I don't believe that. Just go fire him, get another coach. Just it, it, it's a head coaching job. It's not about your your pride and saying 
my system worked. That's what got Al Golden out with uh, Mike D'Onofrio. It's basically pride of this is the guy, this is who I want. It's about adjusting and doing what's best for the program. And I remember calling a couple weeks back when I was talking about Blake Baker and I was saying he, his preparation, I, I just didn't like it. Another two that he does and that you will see when you get to an, another defensive coordinator is the coaching of his position. Uh, Blake Baker is the linebacker's coach, correct? Uh-huh. I saw a play. I, I'm Gary, when I tell you this, I rewind it. I couldn't believe it. I saw a play early in the game <laughs> that they were going, They pulled the lineman in the hole. Uh, Zach McLeod was there. He had, he had moved by the time the guy pulled in the hole. So, you know, that's a long time. So, the guy has pulled in the hole. He's right there. So, the running back is coming right behind the hole. All he has to do is just step up, step up, take on the block, um, create some traffic, create create mess, that's what we call it, create trash. And he runs left. It's like he ran away. I've never seen that. The ball carry is coming. He runs away from the ball carry. Like, I, I, listen, just by the film, I know that I know it has to be hurting him. On his film, there's no excuse that you can have Blake Baker as your linebacker's coach or your defensive coordinator based on what you saw. Also, too, Manny should be happy to switch this scheme up. I looked at, if you look at the games, let's look at the explosive offenses that we play. Louisville. Louisville did what they wanted, to be honest, to a degree. Uh, turnover, they had an interception here, a turnover here. Louisville did what they wanted. Clemson did what they wanted. North Carolina did what they wanted. When we play explosive offense, and North Carolina did this last year too, and I remember on this, I remember talking about this earlier when we played North Carolina. North Carolina comes out with wide receivers that are mismatches. We cannot have a striker, a safety matched up in a zone, man, man zone, whatever you want it. You can't have him matched up with their third best receiver because he's explosive. You got to put three corners out there. You got to play nickel the whole game. Because they are too explosive for you to sit here and have a safety. Because what that does is if you play man, they could put a man in motion. They automatically know you're a man. They know where to go. Then when they know that you're in zone with that, they know what they got then. And so and a lot of times in your zone, your linebackers got to cover. Our linebackers can't cover. They don't know where they're at. So they blitz the linebackers and leave openings over the middle. This scheme doesn't work. I read something in the preseason where coaches were talking, other coaches and other staff were talking about Miami, and the one thing they say on defense is, like, their defense is nothing special. They do the same, pretty much the same thing. Um, There's openings. It's a basic zone. It's nothing creative. It's nothing. So, I mean, if you look at the track record as well with Manny Diaz and his defense, he got fired at Texas. If you go back at that time in the SEC, the SEC offenses were run offenses. They ran the football, tough defense. Everybody played power ball. When he went to Texas, he played against a lot of teams that threw the ball. It was the Big 12. Everybody throwing the ball. He struggled with teams that were explosive throwing the ball all over the field. So when we look at it, if you really look at the grand scheme of things and you look at what he's done here in Miami, yeah, he's done well against Duke, the NC State. Yeah, I mean, you can name all the bottom teams. The, the teams that really ain't explosive, he's done well against them. But against, uh, against explosive teams, we haven't done well. So I just think 
um, with that. I don't think it's firing yourself. I think it's called being a head coach. Fire your defense if it's not working. Who cares? We're trying to win games. This well, time. you know, Lemuel, it, 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 listen, I'm, not, I'm certainly not arguing the case because I think the case it can be made very strongly. I mean, you know, they were helpless against Clemson and they were helpless against North Carolina and somewhat helpless against North Carolina State, and they really didn't play anybody else this year. So, and and this is not the, the first time it's happened. Yeah, right. Yards too, yeah, right. So, yeah. so yeah, so so like th- this is not the first time this has happened. Um, however, I have a hard time seeing Manny Diaz bringing in a defensive coordinator to essentially work over him, um, and I have a hard time seeing an elite defensive coordinator coming here. To, to work under Manny. I just, it, it, I, just I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just being honest. I hope, you know, I'm not going to say I hope I'm wrong, right. you know, or, or come down yeah, on, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, on a- that side of it. I'm just saying that, you know, I think these guys are a team. I think they work together as a team. I think that they're, they're, they're all friends. They get along very well together. And I can't see Manny Diaz blowing that up as a – as a move towards self-preservation to make the fan base happy that, that, that he's changing everything on that side of the ball. Um, he did it with the offense last year. Um, I think it worked out fairly well, but I, I just, I'll be, I'll be very surprised if he does it. I mean, I'm not, I okay. could see where it would be on the table. I'll be surprised if he does it. All right. What else, uh, what else you got for yeah. us tonight? Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, on the Derek King thing, I, I really haven't been abreast of that. But I don't. Do you think? Uh, ask you this question. I guess I get. Do you think Derek King is even a fourth round quarterback pick? Um, third round, certainly not first round, based on you know projections. Where do you think? If let's say he leaves, where does he go? Where does he, um, I, where I think he goes window? late. I think he's like fifth, sixth round, maybe. I think he goes to a team that either wants a guy that can give them a change of pace sometimes or a team like Arizona or Baltimore that, that is running that style of offense with that style of quarterback, and he becomes a natural fit as a second or third teamer. Um, you know, that, that, that's what makes sense to me. I, I think that there's a decent chance he would get drafted. Uh, but I think that the case that's being made to him is, Derek, you still have upside. You know, you can you can continue to get better. You can come back here for a year. You can have endorsements, so you'll have money in your pocket. And then a year from now, then go try the National Football League. Um, we think that another year in this offense, you will be better. So, uh, you know, those are going to be the contrasting things. There'll be agents telling them come out. Um, the Miami coaches will be telling him come back, and he'll have to make a decision with his family on, on what's best for him. Well, All right, Lemuel. Well, All right, Lemuel. Well, there's limited that recruiting uh, last hour. Have a good one. You guys stay safe. All right, man. Thank you for getting us started tonight. Five six three nine 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 three five 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 zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, let's go now to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, my friend, how are you? Doing good. How you doing tonight? Everything? Hanging in there. Uh, still in a little bit of shock, to be quite honest. 
Um, you know, I talked last time, we, we, last week on the show, I mentioned that this would be his biggest test um, to be able to take an explosive office like this with great personnel and to be able to contain it, but most importantly, to be able to take away their biggest strength. Uh, and, and I mentioned that Mac would be doing the same thing against us, and what Mac did was pretty much hit our biggest weakness on defense, which is our second and third level, which we talk, we've talked about many weeks in a row now. Um, and if you go back to that Louisville game, other than that game, there really hasn't been an opponent that's really gone out to get some counters, to get some RPO with counters, to extend it, to split it. Uh, and we were really exposed with our, our lack of talent at the second and third level. But in particular, when you, look at, when you look at what we've had to go through, I'm not making excuses. I'm, I'm not going to make an excuse, but I am going to be honest with people. Um, the second level of contributors at the linebacker, at, at the, at, at, even in the secondary, you're short on numbers to begin with. You're short on experienced players returning. What you have is a bunch of young guys with very very little spring time. This is not a very easy defense to run. It takes a little bit of time to get used to it. You've got to have a great football IQ uh, or at least be able to read, read and anticipate and go with what you anticipate and what your instincts take over. And we started seeing this one kid – started putting things together at middle linebacker, and then COVID came, and he, he lost about three, three and a half, four weeks. So when you look at what we had to go through and not having that, that next guy behind you being able to take your job, and I hate to bring up kids' names because that's not fair to them, but McLeod and, and, and Jennings were just totally, totally um, – Abused. There's no other way of saying it, but just to say it. Um, they were highlighted. That's what they wanted to attack. And, and the most disappointing thing is that once they got past our second level, our third level was just as bad with angles, with leverage, with just the ability to anticipate what was coming. Uh, I, I was so disappointed in seeing – how Amari, I guess Carter was the worst one, but especially um, Bubba Bolden taking the same wrong angles. Um, I mean, you have guys not wanting to get hit. All right, so so um, you've been around coaching for – you, you've been around coaching. Uh, you know, I don't know if everybody knows, you know, I, I guess what, you, you, you were a, a women's softball coach? Is that what it was? Oh, I've done uh, – I was in my later years helping out local high school, but I've done – I was college basketball coach for about ten years. All right, so you've coach been around sports for a long time. So yeah, without we you know yeah, without yeah. going through your whole and resume. AD, so you've been around things, coaches. Yeah. You've been around yeah, sports for a long time. What do you think happened on Saturday? Um, I think it was a combination of a bunch of elements that came together, but most importantly, what was I, I mean. What became evident was the inability to make some basic changes. And I told you last week, you either die a quick death or you, you die a slow death. Which, which type of death do you want to go with? And we couldn't defend the pass, so we wanted to play zone. 
We wanted to keep the ball in front. And then, you know, we couldn't get off blocks because you got smacked in the mouth. From the very beginning, the tone was set that we got smacked in the mouth. I know, we, but we all know. We all. But, but, but wait a minute, everything. We we all know what happened. We all saw it. I want to know why. I want to know what what happened. Like, why did that happen? You've been around sports. You've been Again, a you, you, you've been a coach. I, I, you've been I, around competition. Thing, Tell us why. Never, why did that happen? I've never had to deal with a pandemic in all my years of having to coach kids and being able to utilize my practice time to get the growth that I need from these kids, regardless of what the sport is. And when that is inhibited and that is limited, the performance, no matter how talented those kids are, eventually it's going to catch up with you. I think that's a big part of this. The second thing was the inability to make changes. You make changes too slow, and by the time you make them, there's still passive changes. I think all we changed was pretty much how we defended the edge. It's a combination of factors, but it comes down to talent, which tomorrow we're trying to address. Still not addressing in the major needs that we need at linebacker and corner, uh, in my opinion. It's talent, and it's the ability to have guys that can make the right changes at the right time. You don't have a premier coaching staff. You just don't have that. You don't have premier teachers. And it was all pretty much for everyone to witness in this entire country on Saturday. We all got exposed. His defense got exposed. His inability to make the right changes got exposed. The lack of talent we have on defense was exposed. So when I told you three weeks ago, everything we've been doing, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors involved and two guys on both sides of the ball carrying this team. And eventually, those two guys can be nullified, and the others have to step up. And guess what, Gary? There isn't enough talent other than those guys that we know will play at the next level to compensate for it. And to get annihilated this way, it's not that they weren't trying. They were just getting their ass kicked. Yeah, and, 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 and you're right. They never, did say, adjust. they never adjusted. You're absolutely right about that. And the other thing that really hurt them, I thought, was there were there were three third or fourth down and short yardage plays by the offense at a time when the team needed the offense to get into a shootout. They needed to be able to keep pace. And on third down, and I think the first one was third and four, the second one was third and two, and the third one was four and two. And each of those three times, Rhett Lashley, who I think has had a phenomenal year, so don't take this like I'm, I'm criticizing Rhett Lashley, but in these sequences, he called three identical RPO run plays that went right up the middle with Cam Harris, mm-hmm. and all three of them got stuffed. And when I looked at that, I thought it was so disappointing that it was clear they were going to have to score a lot of points in that game. And I felt like you have to have something in the arsenal right there that you can get those first downs and you're putting your biggest game of the year in the hands of your weakest point on offense, which is your offensive line and power blocking down the middle. And I just thought, I thought that was a gargantuan mistake. And I know all the attention is on the, yeah, well, 
the, well, the trick play is they either work or don't work. But play, I mean, yeah. it, but but it, but it's like you're putting it all on the O line in that situation. And to me, you, you got two elite tight ends. You, you got a lot of other. You got the Eric King who you can get out on the perimeter. You got a lot of other options available to you in that situation in your biggest game of the year. And I couldn't believe that they went down trying to run the ball up the middle with Cam Harris, who might be the third best running back on the team. And um, I know Knighton wasn't available, but I'm just saying he might just be the third best running back on the team when you slice and dice it all up. And the offense went down in the biggest moments of the year here, um, trying to run the ball up the middle behind the old line. And by the time that was over, the game was over because now we were down, I think at that point by 24 points and there was not going to be any stop in North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina could have scored 70 or 80 in that game if they wanted to. So, all right, everything, you got anything else for us tonight? Yeah, I, I do have a couple of more things. In terms of what the staff didn't do, why didn't they incorporate some of the same concepts that Bronco utilized and the guy at Florida State utilized? I want to know why that wasn't done on defense. I really want to know that. I would love to have an answer to that because guess what? What do you think Notre Dame did? The exact same thing Florida State did. They shot gaps and they put seven in the box and said, throw it. I want to know why that didn't happen. But yeah, anyway. I don't, I, I don't um, have that answer for you, obviously. I wanted to touch upon the coaching staff. And the question that was one of the first questions that was brought up yesterday, and I, and I, I watch as many press conferences as I can. Why would anyone think that this guy, who's a control freak, would give the, the ownership of this defense away to somebody else? This is I don't think he would. I just said that. Yeah, I agree with you. Control of. He's not. So for anybody on here to say, well, you know, he's going to fire, he's not firing himself. He's Correct. not going to fire somebody that's pretty much his sidekick. He's not going to fire anybody. If there's anybody that's going to go on the staff that hasn't produced recruiting-wise, it's going to be Mike Rump. And I don't think he's going to fire him, but I think, as I was told two years ago, when he had a chance to go to San Fran, you know, you might want to really look at going with the next opportunity you get from the league, whether it's, a, it's the internship program, the minority program, whatever it is. Mike's a sharp guy. He's a great teacher. He's not about sucking some kid and, and, and making him feel all great and kissing their ass. That's not him. Never going to be him. Never will be him. He's a grown man. He deals with grown men. That's how he coached high school. That's how he coached these kids when they were little in peewee football. The guy is an all-business type of teacher. He's not into the extra. That's not him. And that's what really pissed off Christian Williams. Wasn't the same guy who recruited me. One of the first things he said. Well, guess what? That's just the way the guy is. So Manny better go ahead and find a way to get T-Rob in here. The guy understands the defense because he's, he's a very solid. You know, he was a co-defensive coordinator at one point with, with Muschamp. The guy knows his crap. Yeah, I understand. But you think he's recruit. coming here to, be, has, to not be a coordinator? I think, you need to, I think you need to pay him as much as you can to get him because that guy is going to get you what you need, which is called the Jimmys and the Joes. Because guess what, Gary? If we had better Jimmys and Joes, I'm not saying we win sad this past Saturday, but it ain't like what we just witnessed. It's well, not you, that bad. You, you, you know I agree that. with you on that. I've been talking about recruiting deficiencies for many, many years. All right, everything. Got to let you go. Thank you, as always, for your opinions and being part of the show. All we'll right, talk to you next time. Gary. 
All right, now I'm going to go to a guy that, like, I'm looking for answers, okay? Like, we all watch the game, okay? Every one of us who's on this show tonight listening, myself, we watch the game. We know what happened. I want to know why it happened. And I'm going now to a guy that always has the damn answers, and that's our Kane Sport Managing Editor, Mr. Matt Shodell. Matt, how you doing this evening? Hey, what's happening? Tell us what the hell happened on Saturday. Oh, I know exactly what happened. They lost really badly. <laughs> Why? Manny Diaz like, literally, we asked him that question, and his answer was, I don't know. And then he started talking about they were emotionally deficient. I mean, like, if the coaches don't know, and we're not allowed to practice or even on the campus with COVID, like, how are we supposed to even answer that? All we can do is look at what happened on the field. And, I mean, you can run through 10 different excuses but at the end of the day, it just looked like uh, one of those individual teams that just stopped playing together and just really fell apart completely. I mean, they were the healthiest they've been. It was almost like, um, you know, it's weird. Like with Jim Laranaga's team, right? A lot of times when they only have like six or seven players available, they seem to play better than when they have ten players available. And for almost every game this year, it seemed like, Every guy was so focused in because, oh, my God, nobody's behind me on the depth chart because they're all sick with COVID. i got to step up. And then finally, like, almost the whole team's available, and it's like they just took their foot off the gas. But, you know, to me, you blame the coaches. You blame the players. There's just you, – you can blame everybody in this one. This was, this was just – I've seen coaches get fired for games like this, but obviously because they were, you know, only had one loss going into it, there won't be – firings because of this. But like this reminds me of some of these games in the past where you've just seen Randy Shannon fired after a game, you know? Or just the the volume turned up on Al Golden after the, the a game. Al Golden like, Clemson like, game, yeah. Yeah, like it's just it, it was like that. And like this is there's only been a couple of games where I'm just like I can't watch this. And then the 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 Orange Bowl finale and the Clemson game and this one. That's it. And like there's been three and I've been covering this team for twenty five plus years. So like that's how uncommon this ugly a game is. And I don't understand how a team this good could be that bad when they said practice went great. And it's one of these unknowns that just keeps happening with this team. And it, it doesn't seem to matter if Mark Rick's the coach or Al Golden's the coach or now Manny Diaz is the coach. It keeps happening at least once a year. And I don't understand it. It's, it's, it's almost unfathomable. I think in this case, uh, preparation caught I, I that team was not prepared Saturday and and I think it caught up to well, them they certainly not uh, say it was a great week of practice every player that we talked to every coach said, oh the practice was great all week how can that be yeah that's yeah whatever but yeah I mean yeah they had a great week of practice and they got to the stadium on Saturday and nobody had a clue what to do I, I don't buy that bullshit listen this is you know not making excuses they had coaches coming and going for a month Okay, Manny had coronavirus, Blake Baker, you know, Bonda, everyone, uh, pretty much almost every one of them, Stroud, every one of them had coronavirus at some point, and they had coaches coming and going for a month. Okay, you got GAs trying to fill in for them, coaching during, you know, you got, they ended up taking a couple weeks off. Um, the whole thing was uh, was utter chaos. Okay, now I don't. Everything could have been perfect, and I think North Carolina beats them going away. So this is certainly not an excuse. But if we're looking for a reason why it was as bad as it was, uh, it was very clear to me that they were not prepared in any way, shape, or form, close to properly for that game, and it showed in in, in every way. And and I'll never blame. <laughs> 
I'm not let, buying let, let the players. You, the players me, didn't me, show up. The players let, didn't let, give let effort. Me, let me, let me, well, let me offer a competing theory. How about yeah. this theory? They've only played two good teams all year, and they got killed by both of them. Well, good point there, too. Yeah. They're just not that good. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's, it's like the mirage of that uh, Mark Rick-Tenman team. It's like they won a few close games against bad teams. Everyone felt good. But, you know, they hit another good team. And, like, the bowl game again, we'll see who they play. But, like, if the bowl game is ugly, there is going to be, a, you know, again, like, just this horrible feeling going through the offseason like what fans had last year. And then Manny will add some transfers and this and that, and everyone will get their hopes up again. Like, you just can't have this keep being a cycle. At some point, you got to break the cycle and actually have a team that beats, you know, North Carolina or plays a good game against Clemson if they lose. I'd like just just look good doing it, you know. Like that's all I could ask for at this point. Cause, you know, it would be better than what we saw. A team that doesn't lose every single game against a team that can walk and chew gum, which is what's been going on here for years. You know, mm-hmm. uh, since twenty since yeah, I mean, twenty I, since, as, since as the end of twenty seventeen. Good about it, but, yeah. You know, since they went to Pittsburgh in 2017, and Pitt, I think, was like a 500 team that year. Ever since they went to Pitt, and they had that big Thanksgiving dinner, and then played a Friday game against Pitt and didn't show up, from that day forward, it's been like this every time they play anybody any good. And it's uh, obviously very distre- distressing for the uh, for the Canes nation. But uh, all right, so can this team, Matt, get up for a bowl game after this? I think that's a great question. We saw what happened last year. It's very concerning. I mean, if you get some guys opting out and just, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of turmoil on the team, which could happen. I don't know if it will. It sounds like they're not going to really hold a lot of practices in advance of the bowl game, just have like a regular bowl week of practice. So you're not even getting the benefit of all those normal quote unquote 15 practices just because of what's going on in the world. Um, there's just not a big benefit to, uh, to playing in a bowl game like it normally would be to develop your younger players and take those 10 extra practices and really get going towards next year. So it's a shame in that regard. And, um, you know, TBD, like I, I don't know what to think now heading into a bowl game. You know, there were times this season where I'm like, this team's really good. But I remember telling you before the, you know, before the North Carolina game, I said the worst thing that could have happened to Miami is beating Duke the way they did because, like, this is what this team does. Like, they feel good about themselves, and the next thing you know, they're just awful. And, like, now they feel awful, so maybe they'll be better in the bowl game. Like, I don't know. Like, last year, they just, um, it's going to be a testament to really actually maybe – they'll, maybe they'll actually be um, – say something about Manny Diaz's leadership to see if this team does get up for a bowl game, you know, because we've had players saying how – and Mike Harley's been very outspoken about this. And, I, you know, I don't even know what to think about this either. But, like, he says he was very adamant saying this is a player-led team. It's all the players doing everything, which is basically that's what he said, which, you know, I don't know where that leaves the coaches. But, like, I don't know that I like hearing that from a player, you know, because it should be a combination of everything. And I guess Mike's point was in the past the players haven't been leaders, and he wants to stress that now that's the case. But, like, we'll find out in the bowl game you know, if this team is heading in the right direction, going to the off season, because an ugly bowl loss and there's going to be a ton of pressure on Manny, especially if the defense is bad to get rid of his best friend and maybe make some other changes on defense. And we saw how that happened with how that went with Al Golden and Mark D'Onofrio. You do not want to be in that situation. So I'm hoping for the best in the bowl game, get off into the off season on a good note. Um, you know, maybe pick up a couple of transfers, maybe another guy or two in February, 
uh, recruiting wise, you already have a great class and just keep going from there. You know, I mean, that's what Miami has to hope. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, jury's out. Yeah. And then of course you got the season opener of 2021 against Alabama and man, I hope Blake James doesn't stop scheduling these great games. I mean, listen, Miami, Alabama should be a great game. I'm not sure this one's going to be, but like, you know, don't, don't minimize the program even more by being scared to schedule the LSUs and the, the Floridas and the Alabamas of the world because these games have not gone well. They haven't gone well because this, this program doesn't have its act together. And, you know, hopefully one day that's going to change. Now, December 20th, they're going to find out Sunday. They're going to find out who they play. Right now, it looks like a decent chance it's going to be Oklahoma State in Orlando, the Cheez-Its, the Cheez-Its Bowl, the bowl that changes its name every year. Um, so that game is going to be played December 29th. So they will have nine days from the time they find out who they're playing to the bowl game. It'll be a normal game week of preparation, essentially. You know, they'll have a day or two to break down the film. They'll put their game plans in. They'll have practice all next week. Um, they'll go to the bowl location, I assume, on like the 27th, 28th. It, that makes no sense to go too many days early because with coronavirus, you can't do too much. Play the game on the 29th. Um, so I think it's a good thing that it's going to happen really fast and guys aren't just going to be sitting around and getting stale here. Um, but, you know, this week, I don't think there's any plans for them to practice. They're just doing like light running and lifting weights and things like that. Uh, so they'll get deep into the bowl preparations next week. So it's going to be interesting, Matt. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm like you, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I mean, these are not the kind of games that Miami teams have shown up in the past um i forget what the bowl record is now something like you know one in was it like one in ten or something in the last 11 bowl games or something i don't know we'll have to look that up so we know the right number but it hasn't been great and these are not the kind of games that miami has excelled in uh in the past and um so we'll just have to see what happens but anyway matt uh thanks as always for uh coming on with us tonight and uh we'll be talking to you again uh next time Sounds good. All righty. He's Matt Stodell, our managing editor at, at Kane Sport. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's like we're all the same. Like, we're, we we all are trying our best to find, you know, some answers for what we're seeing. And uh, not the uh, not the easiest thing in, in, in the world at all. All right. 563-999-3550. 999 3550 you hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show and let's go out now to the 305 where you're live on Kane Sport Live how you doing this evening what's up there Gary how you doing who's this Smyra how you doing oh hey Smyra how you doing tonight <laughs> I didn't recognize your Pretty voice good. at first you didn't huh right. no it's me so talk to us what do you think what, what, what do you think is the reason why what happened on Saturday happened? You know, I've seen it so many times. And actually, it's funny. When I called you last week, I was like, I jinxed, my, I jinxed this team so badly because, you know, I, I can only speak for myself in this. I think I know Manny Diaz is not the answer and will not take us to where we ultimately, all of us as Kane fans, want to go, which would be national championships. I think Manny Diaz is a coach that could take us to the ACC championship and not win it, 
take us just to the game, basically. Basically, where Mark Ricks got us to at that, you know, in that miracle season. So, you know, I, I just think that the team was – you know, they, they, had, they beat an awful Duke team, which th- there's no doubt that any one of us could have coached that team. To Duke was just awful. They had packed it in. They wouldn't, didn't want to be there. This team got over their head, of which we talked about last week, that, you know, had a great game. And then it's the ultimate letdown. They think they're better than they are. And they actually play a decent team. And I'm not saying a, a great team. I'm not talking about a top five team. I'm just talking about a top 25 team because – We've only played basically one of those, two of those teams all year, and you're going to get beat. You know, a team that could match up with you man-on-man man and speed for speed and probably at the end of the day probably is a little bit better than you. And I can tell you one thing, they're much better coached than we are, and that's basically what's going to happen. And you have a few things not go your way at the beginning, and then you could say say la vie because you're dealing with very, you know – kids that they don't want to quit but you know when they did you know that game was over after the first quarter you know so it's it's i'm not shocked at all i'm not going to sit here and say that i can't believe what i just saw on saturday i'm i don't i'm i I don't find it shocking at all what i do can i tell you what i do find shocking yeah i find shocking that half your message board says fire blake baker now let me ask you a question i think we both know all Blake Baker, Blake Baker is, is he's a mini Manny Diaz. That's all he's doing is running Manny Diaz's defense. So well, I keep, I keep saying that. Day, if you're, huh? I, I, I missed the beginning. I of keep it. saying so, that to everybody. I agree. I mean, what, what, what are you, what do you guys think? Fire Blake Baker. We fire Blake Baker, fire everyone, fire Manny Diaz. He's running Manny Diaz's defense. So well, what do you say? I mean, the guy's running your CEO's a defense. And then my point, what I wanted to make was I said, there are coordinators and there are like, there's a, a, a must champ. There's Manny Diaz. There's, by the way, I'm giving Manny Diaz too, cre- too much credit because must champ is actually much more accomplished than Manny Diaz. And we all know for myself, from day one, we know that Manny Diaz was gifted this job. So it's not his fault that he might not be successful and that we are basically hiring a guy that's, learning on the job but i mean there's there's ceos of the football teams there's your urban myers there's nick saban there's uh dabo sweeney these guys just their job is to hire people that are great under them to basically get everything where it needs to be and be a ceo manny diaz is a glorified defensive coordinator that went out and hired Brett lashley to be to k control the offense they basically have one side and the other side so you're not talking – Manny Diaz is not a tr- great CEO. Yes, he did things in the offseason this year to make this team patch things up on, you know, the kicking game and bring in a few grad transfers here and there to, to make things look a little bit better to, so we're not awful. But, I mean, we all know that this is just a – not a fluke, but it's just basically there are a few, you know, fumbles or, turn, you know, turnovers here or there just being a – a six and four team or said they're what are they eight and two, whatever it might be. So, I mean, this team is totally a farce and I can tell you what's going to happen in the bowl game. Half these kids have their left foot out the door. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you remember? I mean, obviously you remember when Butch Davis had that year where we got screwed and we didn't go to, um, we didn't make it to the national championship game. And this is, you know, when we lost to Washington at the beginning of the year, 
And then we were built. And then I believe that year, who did we play? Is that the year we played the Gators in the uh, in, in New Orleans? I believe I believe it was. Yeah. And 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 you knew going into the next year, you had a young Ken Dorsey. You had young weapons all over the place. You had on the defensive side of the ball was loaded with young talent. They were just younger. And you knew that this team was going to get better. This year, you, you got Phillips is halfway out the door. Who knows what King's going to do? Half these kids that should not even consider uh, going to the NFL already halfway out the door. What's that? Mike Hartley's coming back to the field because it was his last day at Hard Rock Stadium. I don't know where he's going so fast. But that's for another. Cam Harris, what's he going to do? He's the third best running back anyway. But I'm just saying these guys are just halfway out the door anyway. So they're probably going to lay an egg. And I've been to that game in Orlando six times and saw Miami get blown out every freaking time. And I still remember Teddy Bridgewater lighting that. No, I think, didn't we, we beat West Virginia there once. Oh, sorry. That was that the one time. In <laughs> I think that was, Mark, that wasn't that Mark Rick's first year, right? Then we beat West I, Virginia. I there? Yeah. 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 We did. And the Joko actually, yeah, he looked good. I saw Washington run us over a few, not Washington, Wisconsin run us, kill us yeah. a few times. I think Louisville got it. Louisville killed us, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 and I think I think Manny knows a lot of these kids aren't going to want to play. He told everybody just let yeah. let the dust settle for a couple days, and then we'll address yeah. all that, you know. Um, but you know, we'll see. But yeah, I, mean, I agree. It, it's 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 it. You know, I I has you know I I kind of cringe when I, I I don't know if it was you or everything. I think it might have been everything. But talking about judging the defense after uh, off the based on the bowl game and whether you keep Blake Baker or not based on what happens at the bowl game. Uh, I don't know that you want to do that. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think the chances that, that this team shows up invested in that bowl game is very slim. I, yeah, let's get fired up. Let's go to Orlando and let's beat the crap out of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, I could see yeah. that. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. If, if Manny could pull uh, that off, um, Maybe but, well, uh, nothing will ever make up for North Carolina, but you agree. There, what do, we're not. What are we building for next year? What, what are we looking forward to next year? I mean, there. You know, like I said, I, I don't know. Maybe King comes back, and yes, yes, there's you got to comes back. But, you know, but you got to get King to come back, and you got to make it to Charlotte, man. In my opinion, I don't. You know, I mean, how many years? Do you go on like this? I mean, this could go on like this forever. Like this is going to be now. 19 years now that that you're just going to be another middle of the pack ACC team. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I I would like Blake James to figure out what, like, what's the plan, you know? So we'll see. All right. Smyra, you got anything else? Yeah. No, one other, one other point, but can you imagine that, that he had his chance to hire any coach you wanted? Mark, anybody away. Anyone. And, and I like and I like Manny. He could have hired anybody. <laughs> and I didn't mean, even yeah. didn't even do an interview. Like it's it is such unbelievable malpractice. It's un, it's unbelievable. Gary, I remember texting you that I saw that news come out. It was a Sunday night around seven thirty, eight o'clock. I go, I cannot believe what my eyes are seeing. You got the biggest gift of basically starting over, and this yep. is what he. I, it's unbelievable. No, I, this is my last point. Can you explain what exactly does Ed Reed? do with this team or what is what does he do exactly or is it, you know Schmeier, is it a, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't think that played out the way it was intended to this year because of coronavirus uh I'm not sure he was there every single week uh, I just I, I think everything was just in such topsy-turvy 
yeah, I can't answer what he did. Like, you know, I, I guess he mentored some kids from time to time. I think he tried to be a sounding board for Manny, you know. I mean, he was the guy that would be the last guy in the room after a game that Manny would sit down and get his opinions on what had happened. Um, okay. You know, I don't right. know, you know, how much they listen to him or don't listen to him on defense and how to do things or whatever. I, you know, I I don't know. I, I wouldn't make too big a deal about him being there in one way or the other right now. No, I, I, I consider it almost a zero because I can tell you, if he had anything to do, and I'm not saying that he had coach. I know he's not coaching, but the safety play has been abominable. I mean, I, I, yeah. these kids, from one being a bonehead, uh, they can't make a tackle. Uh, I mean, Bubba Bolden has done nothing but regress. I mean, I, I mean, no one's gotten better. And by the way, what, this is the last one, and then I'll let you get to someone else. I mean, Manny Diaz is in charge of the defense. Every player on that defense, he recruited. All these that they roll out there, and I'm not, not counting the actual the grad transfers. I'm talking about the ones that he, he found in high school. They're all stiff. There's none, none of those guys have gotten any better. No one, none of those guys are impact players. Garvin Hall, Amari uh, uh, Carter, any of the DBs, any of the guys on the defensive line. I mean, maybe Silvera's gotten better. The linebacker play is pathetic. Those are all his guys. When, when do you take a look and say, these are my guys? I mean, they're all average to below average players so i mean yeah. here's looking at you i guess you know that's on him but 100 percent, well. you know and he's gonna he's getting a fair shake like he's gonna go to year three now and and you know he's i do think they made a little improvement this year they they upgraded the personnel they upgraded the coaching on the offensive side and they got better results out of it you know now let's see what they can do next year all right shmyra great all as always right. to talk to you again. thank you for being part of the show all right. Have a good one. You got it. 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. All right, guys, here's the plan. It's 909. At 10 o'clock, ballpark, I'm scheduled to have Larry Bluestein join us, and, and he and I are going to break down the recruiting class. Um, that's going to take a little bit of time, okay? I got We got a ton of guys on the board here, so I'm going to ask you to do this. Make your points. You know, make them direct. Make them strong. Bring it. And, and, and let's move through the calls so that I can you know, try to get uh, pretty much everybody that's on hold right now on by the time we get to 10 o'clock. Um, hopefully that's a deal. Let's start in the 941 where you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's Meister Kane here. You got it. We'll get to the What's point. up, Meister? How you doing this week, man? Hey, great, great. I'll go as quick as I can for you, okay? I know we got a lot of other callers waiting. You're asking what went wrong. Why did this happen? I think I can tell you. Football is 80% mental, 20% physical. If you are not mentally prepared, you're not going to physically, okay? I could tell they weren't mentally prepared. You know how? Body language. That's how I know. They choked in that game, dude. They choked on both sides of the ball. Other thing, too. Manny's not firing the defensive staff. I don't think anybody's going anywhere on the defensive side of the ball. The other thing, too, key linebackers are gone, like Shaq and Pinckney. Our linebackers are inexperienced. Uh, secondary, too, Al Blades didn't play. Notre Dame, they had their shit together. Linebackers were attacking in the second half of the game. You know, the first caller was mentioning what was going on. It's called I football timing reactions. That's what the first caller was saying. Well, that's it, Gary. I'll let you go for now. 
so you can get some other calls. All right? You have All a right, great Mike, evening. Thanks for your input. Right. Your input, Ralph. All right, let's go to the eight four five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary. I'll be hey, what's up, Greg? Also. How you doing this How week? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, your boy Manny, the used car salesman. That's what he should do for a living because he, he can't coach. Uh, you said we can't get rid of a coach. Auburn just paid $21 million to get rid of a guy that got to a national title game and beat Alabama three times. But we can't, we can't get rid of him. Yeah, that's, okay. un- that's unbelievable that they spent that kind of money to get rid of Gus Malzahn. I mean, it's it's I've never seen. I mean, that is amazing. Right. How many coaches on this staff would get picked off by another team, coming and pluck one of our coaches? I don't think any of them. Maybe Lashley. That'd be it. Okay. These coaches are horrendous. And by the way, last I think Likens Likens is well regarded. Okay, yeah, he's, a, he's and and the line coaches and the and and Justice, yeah, and and Steve Field and no on, Steve Field would have a lot of jobs because he's a good recruiter. Okay, okay. so the offensive side of the ball's got some good guys. Okay, can I and, and you, you, you know defensively, uh, it's hard to say because the all of them have jobs because of Manny because they're Manny guys. Oh, yes. Well, that's great. Okay. Uh, you'd realize from last year we're giving up 98 yards a game more per game. That's pretty pathetic. And you said last week Lashley should be up for uh, assistant coach of the year. He is. How about the coach in North Carolina? Maybe he should be up for the award. They average 555 yards. Phil Longo. Yeah, they had the most explosive offense in college football. I don't know who the who the, if he's a candidate or not, but you're right, he should be. Okay, we made these running backs look like Earl Campbell and Walter Payton out there. Third and twenty six, they're getting the first down by running. That that is unheard. What what the hell is Manny doing out there? What, what kind of defense? This defense has not worked. The only time he's ever come up big in a big game was against Notre Dame. And that was three years ago. Who else has he beaten that was any good? Nobody. Suck it up. Hire somebody like you did on offense. My last hey, by the way, Phil Longo of North Carolina, their offensive coordinator, he is one of the candidates for the Broyles Award. Well, he should win it. He should win it. Okay, um, this game next year against Bama, if we don't, if we go into that game with Van Dyke or Garcia as our quarterback, that'd be grounds for a rest for Manny Diaz. That'd be like leading pigs to a swarm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I, I think a couple things. I think, I think the, the. The, obviously, the full court press is on De'Ara King to come back. I think if he comes back, he'll obviously be the quarterback. If he doesn't come back, I, I, I hear that there are several guys that would be willing to go into the transfer portal if they could come be the quarterback in Rhett Lashley's offense. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I mean, the first thing that, to pay attention to is De'Ara King and whether he decides to come back. 
But if he doesn't, you know, we'll be on quarterback watch because uh, I do think that there will be significant interest in coming to Miami to be the quarterback in that offense. All right. Can I just ask you one quick thing about basketball? You said we're going to be good by January, right? Mm -hmm. Who the hell can shoot three-pointers on this team? Um, Chris Like, Chris Likes, um, Earl Timberlake, Matt Cross. You just didn't see it in that stupid game the other day because they were all hurt. Um, Likes didn't play. Uh, Timberlake didn't play. Um, Matt Cross can't even raise his arm, his right arm, to shoot right now because he he's got a hurt shoulder, um, so he can't shoot. Um, you know, and and Wong and Beverly aren't good shooters; they're just not. Uh, Maguste got hurt in the opening minutes of the game, so they did not have anybody that can shoot a three out there, and that's why it looked the way it did. And Florida Gulf Coast, give them credit; they caught him. Right. Okay. You know, you're playing oh, without yeah. your three, but you're playing without your three best players, and then your right. your your sharp shooting young freshman can't raise his arm. So All right. we'll see what happens tomorrow night, man. ACC play starts tomorrow night. I got a feeling we'll have a lot of guys rolling out there with bandages on, but I got to think that, they gotta, that most of them are going to try to play. I mean, you know, this is a team that's hoping to compete in the ACC this year, and. Uh, home game against Pitt, I, I don't think they're looking to mail that one in. I mean, that's that's one you got to have if you're looking to compete in the ACC. So we'll see what happens. All right, Gary, thanks. All right, Greg, thanks for being part of the show. 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, what's up, Gary? BK Hurricane. What's up, man? Talk to us. What's going on? All right, real quick. Um, if there's, or right, this is just your opinion. If you see, well, if you can foresee, okay, uh, Manny makes no changes on his defensive staff, right? Are you meaning no coordinator changes, or do you think he'll he'll change the position coach here or there? Because Mike Rump is one of his guys. Mike Rump is Mark Rick's guy. I, I could see Mike. Mike I could see Mike Rumpf deciding to go do something else. I really could. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know what Mike Rumpf is thinking. But you know, the rest of the guys—Stroud, Patkey, Bonda, Baker—those four guys. Those are Manny guys, okay? And he's not—he's not cherry picking those guys and sending them packing out the door. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think he'll keep them together. I think they'll come back and try to do better and fight the fight together, and if they succeed, great. If they don't, I think they'll go down together. That's the way I that's, – yeah. that's what I think will happen. But try to do better in what aspect of the game, the coaching or the recruiting, because it's Both. recruiting. Both? Now, 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 let's slow down here now. Let's remember, they're bringing in Leonard Taylor and James Williams, who are two elite prospects in this recruiting class. These are – you know, the kind of guys that Miami's been losing the, the last right, seven but years. Those two, but those two players are players that, one, Ephraim Banda is a great recruiter, so he could recruit. So he ended up out-recruiting a lot of people for James Taylor. And James Williams. I'm sorry, James Williams. And he had and a big Leonard hand in Leonard Taylor, too, yeah. Exactly. So you think Manny's firing him? You, you, wait, wait a minute, BK. You think Manny's going to fire him? No chance, right? Who? 
No chance. Oh, no, no, no. Coach, Coach Fonda, there's no chance. He'll leave for a better job before that happens. He'll leave for a better job before that happens. I can see somebody plucking yeah, and, him. Yeah, and, and, and what's a better job? He's paid as a coordinator here. I mean, oh, who's yeah, going to – somebody, somebody's going to pay him six, seven hundred thousand. 700000 I mean, maybe if they make him a coordinator, but he's never oh, been a no, coordinator by himself. I, I can't foresee that either, but if man yeah. decides to He'll make be here. no – uh, yeah, he probably will. If Manny decides to make no changes, so is he just resigning the team, the fan base, the administration no. to listen? This is what it is, and if we Dude, if, if win, Manny we don't, we don't. BK, if Manny Diaz doesn't believe in himself and believe in his guys that he handpicked to come run his defense, he might as well resign right now. Just tell Blake, do, you know, hey, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do you a solid like Mark Rick did. I'm out because, I mean, Darryl, of, of course, of course, he believes in himself. No, I'm not saying himself, but history is the great is the greatest teacher. He has the history of the three coaches that were before him at Miami, and he has the history of other coaches that made those big decisions. So, yep. well, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you four million reasons why play. he's not gonna lose belief in himself. No, I'm not saying is he going to lose belief in himself, but at some point he could lose belief in your staff. No, like because he's the leader of the staff. People and they're not living up to expectations. He's the leader. If there's no expectations that are being lived up to, it's because Manny's not living up to expectations. And and yeah, so I don't you know if you heard the beginning of the show. Did you hear the beginning of the show when I played his comments on this subject? He, yeah. he didn't sound he didn't sound like a guy looking to deflect anything. He stood up. And he said, I'm in every meeting, and I'm involved in every single thing that goes on on defense. When I asked him the question, that's what he said. He didn't say, oh, Blake, you know, Blake Baker. This Blake Baker plans the practices. But he stood up, and he said, I'm the guy. I am there. I don't leave the defensive practice field during practice. I am involved in everything on defense. Right, but that's just one aspect. How, what, does he, what is he going to do about recruiting? You can't make kids like your personality all of a sudden. What's he going to do about Obviously, recruiting? Well, I mean, yeah, let, let, let's start with Leonard Taylor and James Williams. Right, but those aren't the positions of need. Who's recruiting linebackers? Who's recruiting defensive, defensive tackles? Not a position of need? Well, a, hybrid, a, a hybrid dude that might be able to be a striker or a safety or line up as a defensive end, a guy you can yes. move around and, and game plan yes. with? On this team, Right now, the positions of need are linebacker and cornerback. Those are two positions that we have not addressed well, in years. Well, they, they recruited in a few years. guys last year that they need to come through, no doubt. Corey, Fla- Corey Flagg, he flashed a little bit in the Duke game. Now, that doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot, but he did flash a little bit. If he can carry that forward and keep improving by next September, you know, maybe he can be your starting middle linebacker. Um, you know, from there, I don't know what they did. I didn't see much. Okay. And I agree with you. And I'm going to end the show. Let me give you a a good example. LSU, they just beat Florida on last Saturday. They started 14 freshmen. 14. Mm -hmm. That's that. I don't know who's doing their recruiting evaluation, but Manny might want to have a talk with that guy. Yeah, they do a great job recruiting there. And, and you know, they own the state of Louisiana. They, but they do a phenomenal they barely, recruiting job. Yep. They barely could field a team. 
they barely could field a team for that game. They still showed up and beat Florida with 14 freshmen. It's the recruiting, the recruiting, the recruiting. They had the most, they had the, the Jimmys and the Joes playing on Saturday. All right, well, at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go through this with Larry Bluestein, who watches these kids more than anybody. And we're going to go through this right, recruiting well, class and talk, and talk about who might be able to help next year. Go ahead. One last thing real quick. Earlier when the season started, we were talking about that five-star kid from North Carolina that's supposed to be in high school, 17-year-old. Yeah, did you see the play he made the other day on D. Wiggins? On Saturday, a 17-year-old was abusing a bunch of 20-year-olds. That's what a five-star cornerback looks like. That's exactly what one looks like. He was abusing yeah. them on Saturday. What, what a play that kid made on that one on that one ball with D. Wiggins. The kid, the kid is good. The kid is and yeah, he's got, and, and he's he just laughed. getting started. Yeah, I agree. We did. Yeah. Well, I didn't laugh. You you might have laughed. I didn't laugh. I, mean, I knew the kid was a like, player. He's 17. Yeah, he's 17. I was like, yeah, he is 17. But I know he should, be, should have been playing high school football this year. Yep. Yeah, that's what a real five-star kid looks like. All right, Gary. Uh, All right, for, PK. For Thank you for being part of it, as always. Let's go to the 240. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? It's D Black. Hey, what's up, D Black? Welcome back. Not much, man. Hey, got a couple points I got to make real quick. Um, everybody's talking about recruiting, right? Recruiting, 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 which is important. But everybody's forgetting the development part. You could bring in Leonard Taylor and James Williams, but if they're not developing, what difference do it make? What 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 stars behind their name? Because we had we had Shaq and Pinkney, and they didn't develop at all, and that falls on Manny. That that falls clearly on Manny. How can um, you say they didn't develop? They they were four year starters. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, come on, Gary. They 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 got to a certain point and they leveled out and they didn't get no worse and they didn't get no better. But like, maybe that was their can, maybe on, that was their ceiling. No, no, no. I'm not cutting you off. I'm just saying maybe that was their. I'm not. I'm not telling you to stop talking. I'm just saying okay. that might have been their. That might have been their ceiling. Okay. When I say develop, when I say develop, look at look at Denzel Pyramid when he came in as a freshman. Look at his body. Look what his body was as a senior, and look at his play. Just look at how he developed as a player, as a linebacker. That's all about coaching. Why? Because you had one of the baddest mofos to ever do it that played at the University of Miami and coached at the Univi- University of Miami, and that's Michael Barrow. I understand five stars, great. I think Leonard Taylor and James Williams could be, I mean, the sky's the limit. But development is key. And everybody want to keep, like, let Banda off the hook. Like, his safety, his safety stink. Bubba Bowden has regressed. So bad. Amari Carter, like, he's – he, I don't like talking about the young men, but their play hasn't been adequate enough. It hasn't. Um, and, you know, 8-2 and two is good. But you know what I think I, I, I compare this to? It's funny because I, I compare this to – you remember Rocky Three, And at the beginning of Rocky Three, you see Rocky knocking out all these, all these dudes, all comers, knocking them out, knocking them out, knocking them out. And then when he wanted to fight Cubber Lane, his, his trainer, uh, Mick, told him, nah, all those other dudes you fought were bums. They were cupcakes. So when he got in the ring with Cubber, Cubber Lane and knocked the stuffing out his ass, 
that's like how we were this year. We got a false sense of who we who we thought we were when we beat the the Mary Sisters of the Poor. But when we played any team with a post, when we played Clubber Lane, they knocked the stuffing out of us, Clemson and North Carolina. Now, you was asking earlier what went wrong, what went wrong. And I was watching the game with some prominent coaches from some powerhouse high schools in the DMV that beat beating every Florida team that they played. They beat IMG. They beat the shit out of Central. So that's DeMatha, St. John's, Gonzaga, right, that has tied to the University of Maryland. And we sitting there, we watching the game. And they said, you would you, you be hard-pressed to get a DMV defensive player to go play for Manny. They said, for one, they said they don't like him. They said, he, they said he's a jerk. They said he's a liar, and they don't trust him, one. And they said, and they was like, his defense is not complicated. They said there's no exotic blitzes. They said there's nothing exotic or difficult about his scheme. They said, and the players from the coaching staff, he said, those players don't get better. They don't know how to develop talent. This is coming from high school coaches. And some people who's influential in the University of Maryland. This is coming from top-notch people who are in the recruiting game. And they're saying it's about that defense. So when everything, everything 305 said the defense is complicated, no, it's not. It's not complicated. Because my 14-year-old son was calling out everything that many of them was, was doing or critiqued them. When it was like, yo, why are they shifting everybody to the left, to the right side of the defense, Dad, and leaving number 12, Jafari Hari, over there by himself, lined up head-to-head with the tackle in order the, the uh, left guard did because they tried to loop uh, Justin uh, Jalen Phillips underneath. All that left guard did, Gary, was takes two steps out, turn to his right, picked up Jalen Phillips right there, and stonehauled all of that. It, I mean, and they were pump, they were pummeling on D Black. I mean, yes, part yes, of their plan was yes. clearly to to beat the shit out of Jalen Phillips. I mean, they were. Yes, they, I mean, Gary, they were so Gary, physical with him. Gary, we was watching. I mean, I was watching a game with with all these great minds and my mind in it because you know I coach with all these dudes and we just sitting there and, we, and I'm like, I'm like, when is my school ever going to get back to to prominence? And they said one or two things, and this is from every coach in there. They said, one or two things got to happen. They said, either Manny got to get a new D coordinator. They said, which state doubt because he's such a power freak. And they said, but don't worry. They said, Alabama take care of that for you first game of the season when Alabama dropped 80 on you and your athletic director would have no choice but to fire him after that game. They said, because no, that's, oh, trust that's him not believe. happening. They said, trust him. Oh, Gary, if Alabama drops 80 points, beat They're not firing Alabama. Manny after the first game okay. of the season. No chance. All right. All right. Well, 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 guess what, Gary? If once Alabama, what do you think the team morale would be once Alabama beat the shit out of us September 4th? Well, I mean, my 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 guess is they'll have somebody like, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think who might be on the schedule for the following week, but I assure you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you who's on the schedule. Okay, we got Alabama. Then I think we got we got Michigan State after that, which is no, no chance. No, I don't think they have Michigan State the week after. I think it's Michigan State or it's Central. Oh, it, it may be Central Connecticut State. So you get, yeah, so, so yeah, you there'll get, be something get, like that in the middle, right? <laughs> right exactly. Right, you, so, you get that bad taste out your mouth, but then you got to double down and play Michigan State, right? Yeah. So uh-huh. it's like it, it, it's, it's you you can't win for losing. And I got two more points. Some let the rest of these Kane brothers get on. Now, okay, one point. 
So say if Manny was to get fired, right? Say if Manny was to get fired. And you know, everybody wants Mario. Everybody wants Mario. Mario, Mario, Mario. I'm a Mario guy. I would like to have Mario. But there's one guy that I would like to have here, and he's, and he's coaching in the NFL right now, and it seems like the NFL is not going to give this guy a job because they feel like they filled their quota for black coaches. But he's, he was offensive coordinator at Colorado. He was Adrian Peterson's running back coach, and now he's been the offensive coordinator for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, he's well-respected in the coaching world. He's well-respected in the NFL, and that's Eric Bieniemy. I would love to see that. Has he ever, I would love to see that. Has he ever recruited D. Black? Yes, he recruited. He was a, he was a, he was the offensive coordinator for University of Colorado, so he's recruited. Yes, not saying that you know. I mean, not saying that he will come, but that's just you know that's just my that's just you know wishful dream. Just like Joe uh, Joe Brady never recruited, even though he was only LSU for one year, but they still brought him to be the. I know the offensive coordinator, and the head coach is something totally different, but that's just a pipe dream. He he was, he was the cool. passing game coordinator. Yeah, passing game coordinator, but yeah. that was his offense because that offense was totally different. No, I understand. I understand, but they weren't counting on him to go recruit all over the country okay. as the head coach. So, and, and um, I got I got two more things, and I'm going. And, and, and that thing you said you played earlier when you stated when Manny when Manny said he's never been a part of anything like that that happened on Saturday, which was a bold-faced lie, because BYU and Taysom Hill beat the crap out of him and rushed for over 500 yards against them, which caused Mac Brown to fire him, right? Manny's been a part of the three worst losses in UM history. FIU, La Tech, and UNC. Th- that's on his record. And We've had others and through the my, years, but I get your point. And this is my last thing, and I'm going to let the rest of these rest of these, uh, the, uh, these, uh, just these, uh, rest of these brothers get on. Have you ever saw the movie Wag the Dog before? No, I didn't see it. No. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great movie. It deal, it's deal with politics. So this is it's in line with what I'm saying. So it's a president. He's up for reelection. He gets hit with this sexual this sex scandal. So Robert De Niro goes out to California to, to link up with Dustin Hoffman because Dustin Hoffman is this great movie producer. So they drum up a fake war. They drum up a fake war with somebody in the Middle East to deflect America's attention off the sex scandal. So we can go to war and make the president like this bigger than life thing, so he can win the win the reelection, which he does. And I, I'm I'm saying that I'm going somewhere with this. Last year when Manny fired everybody, he kept he was he was always talking about it was cancers on the team, it was cancers on the team, and he was part of the cancer. But you deflect all that stuff off of you and put it on everybody else that you remove from the program, that you remove from the program. Before you hired Dan Enos, but you were part of that culture. You were here for five years or four years. You didn't recruit a soul at linebacker. And the numbers that um, Kim posted from the defense from 2019 to 2020, I gave him that so he could post it. And you see how the defense has taken a slide from last year. So, Manny, you were responsible for recruiting those players on defense, when you was the defensive coordinator, you had all autonomy to do what you wanted with the defense, and you failed miserably. So you deflect cancers, but the cancer is still there. The cancer is still in the program, and it's the head coach. And if he does not, and like uh, BK said, look, hey, those who 
don't learn from the past or doomed to repeat it. He's headed down that same track as Mark Rick and Al Golden. And his defenses were only good in his first two years here because he, he had Al Golden players, Gary. Ever since then, when he had to use his players, you've seen the defense steadily decline, and then you saw us give up almost 1,000 yards of total offense on Saturday. Yeah, Terrible. No, they, haven't, they haven't recruited well enough, no doubt. Terrible. But um, that's all I got for tonight, Gary. Um, can't wait to hear the legend um, Larry Bluestein get on and talk, talk his talk. And, um, yeah, we're we going to see. Oh, and they didn't have no excuses for the coaches having COVID after the Duke game. It was only after they got their got they stuffing knocked off against North Carolina that all these excuses started to surface. Nah. Uh-uh. No, bro. All right, D-Black. <laughs> thanks thanks for your input, man. Oh, always love it. You got it. Thanks for being part of the thanks. show. Let's go to the 973 where I believe Ross, Ross, Ross is waiting Gary. for us. Gary, Gary, Gary. D-Black you must have loved, you must have just loved that game the other day. Oh, listen. D Black just stole my tongue and I love it for him. I love him for it. He just stole my tongue, but I'll take it. Stop well, you the be the lightning. Let's go. Give it to us. Stop with the excuses. You know why you gotta stop with the excuses, Manny? Because nobody had corona, nobody was fatigued, nobody needed a break after you smashed Duke. Right? But now you I don't think he made excuses. excuses. Did he really Gary, make excuses? Gary, stop it. He Did said he? we need a break. He said we need a break. Oh. Who else in America don't need a break? Virginia Tech need a break. Boston College need a break. Stop with the excuses. Everybody is coming out, and they're playing. Arkansas is playing. Everybody who had the corona is playing. Manny is a fraud. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Gary, this stupid move by the NCA, kind of goofy move by making everybody eligible on the basketball side of things. Are everybody in every sport eligible that's playing right now in Miami? Yep, they're going to be. They're going to be any minute, yeah. That is so, that, I, don't, I don't understand what well, they're doing, it, it, but it's it, yeah, the, in this case, the basketball kid was a transfer who theoretically had to sit out a year, but he's going to become eligible, I think, I think on uh, Wednesday, I think. But I'm just saying the confusion by the NCA is just deplorable. It's horrible. Anyway, Gary. Well, hi, hey, how about the fact that they haven't told coaches, you know, they, they said everybody could play this year and this year wouldn't count, but they haven't told the coaches how many scholarships they're going to be able to and how many initial um, new, new players they're going to be able to bring in for next year. And, and signing day is tomorrow. I can't wait for the teams to start moving away from the NCAA and leave the NCAA low. But let, let, me make a, let me make a point. Gary, I agree with you when you said on third down and fourth down, you had no idea they was doing. I didn't either. You know why? The first, fourth, the first third down we had, they went for a, a damn near bomb, and we only needed one yard. What was that about? But hey, the yeah. biggest problem was this, Gary. The biggest problem was this. Regardless if we was going to win the game or not, or give up 14 points in the first half or not, when we were leaking oil, when Baker's defense was leaking oil, Manny's he defense. didn't burn many, whoever. Nobody burned a timeout and just say, guys, wait a second. <laughs> you know, you're, a making second. 
you're making a great point, Ross. And I have always wondered for the freaking decades that I've watched football, and it's been too many of them. But, like, I've never understood why football coaches don't use timeouts sometimes, especially in the first half, the way the basketball coaches do. Gary, you know why? I'll tell you why that happened. Manny incriminated himself when you had a conversation with him. Let me ask you a quick question. This is the first year I'm starting to hear you have an exclusive conversation with him. Is that, is that a new thing? No, they're not. They're not. They're not. I mean, we all get a chance to ask them questions. It's not just me. Okay, I thought it was a new thing that they gave. I just, you know, I just try to, I just try to isolate the questions that I feel are important for the week and that I want for the show. Great job, great job. And I ask them. Yeah, you're doing a great job. I'm complimenting you tonight. But let me let me tell you what he did as far as incriminating himself. He said, "Oh my God," he said, "No, this is this and this is that and this, Gary, um, Gary." Manny, stop it. Because if that's – you know what happened to them? They all got caught in the deer in their headlights and had no idea. Because he said, what you do, you prepare for the week, and they run my stuff. For the week. And you said earlier, you said, hey, no, 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 no. They're running what Manny prepares them to do. In a ball game, not everything is going to go the right way that you expect it to do. You've got to be able to make adjustments on the fly. And that's why that timeout wasn't burnt, because they had no idea what to do. Because they don't know how to make adjustments to, on the fly on their ass, on their feet, on the top of their head, on the side of their back. They don't, they don't know how to make those adjustments. So you're telling me he's going to keep his crew? Well, that's an embarrassment, bro. We got, you almost got a thousand yards put up against us on national TV before signing day so we could be joked at. They gotta, they're going to repeat those games at least nine times on ESPNU. That's oh, embarrassing. No, they do that. That's, a, that's mandatory. Again, yeah, listen, I, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Number five on defense. Next year, he should report to the linebacker room. If he wants to do anything else, no, bring your behind to the league because you cannot tackle. You don't know what you're doing. You're lost. If you can't knock somebody's head off, you have no idea. And that also kind of go for all. Oh, you just said he can't so tackle. You're going to make him a linebacker? I'm just saying. I actually want him off the damn team. He's, he's a older. senior. I don't know that he'll be back. Yeah, they got, they got some good Please. young safeties. I don't think – I don't I, I, I don't know if he would be, even be back next year. Gary, I just want – listen, a bunch of guys are going to opt out those games, that game on um, on the ball game. And as yep. far as recruiting is concerned, listen, I'm going to get out your way because you got a bunch of guys. Listen, come tomorrow, we're getting what? One defensive tackle that means anything? Correct. Am I, can I can I check with you on that one? Yeah, I mean Leonard Taylor. Uh, I mean Alan Hay is in come the on, class. Yeah, Taylor, uh, I Alan I don't Hayes, I don't feel that strongly about him. We'll see. I'm gonna ask Larry Bluestein about him here in a few minutes. I don't think they're gonna get Mason Smith. So yeah, Leonard Taylor will be the guy. Gary, this is what we need to do. You said it before, maybe about a year ago, maybe four months ago, and I agree with you on this. We need to go. I don't care if it's grad students, analysts, extra. We need to get a group of guys who are just going to concentrate. And, Gary, I mean nothing else. Just concentrate at all. Go out there and get offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Recruit. Where are they at? I don't care where they are in the world. Canada. Where We just need to have those four guys or five guys, a crew, concentrate on that. Because we got killed in the trenches. I had friends calling me like, Ross, your team is getting beat up on offensive line and defensive line. 
There's they got pumped. Can stop the Bro, nobody can stop. I'm watching linebackers just sitting there in their stance and going the opposite way. Gary, I'm not going to say any more. But what you said before, Manny incriminated himself because the oil was leaking and they didn't burn a timeout to say, guys, let's talk about it. I don't care if we was going to be down 21 or not, but give me a timeout. Let me know that you know what you're doing a little bit. Let me know that you're going to stop the bleeding. Gary, I'm out. All right, Ross. Thanks as always for being part of the show. We'll talk to you next time. You got it. Let's go to the 727. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Jake from St. Pete. What's up, Jake? Uh, Oh, what a debacle. God, that game was awful. But, you know, I I, I don't know how anyone can't – you know, everyone's talking about coaching, but the the players were – you know, I'm sorry. Jalen Phillips, the whole game, he's just speed rushing all off of the edge. He, he he was terrible. You know, you're talking. Uh, why do we lose the game? Amari Carter, you know, Mister Badass loves to loves to put the wood on anyone he can when they're helpless. Five six times in that game, he could have squared up against Carter or Williams. Made a solid tackle. He was literally squared up in him, and he just kind of flops himself. There, there, there's one uh, they, they ran a counter, and he's trying not to get thrown out for targeting. <laughs> yeah, oh, he went oh, from shit. he went oh, from getting shit. called for targeting for every single tackle he was making to, to now like being too passive when he gets to the to the ball. Yeah, yeah, he's flopping like a fish when he can't hit a defenseless player. That's uh, yeah, you know. It's, that's garbage. You're a punk. I'm sorry. You, you could smash a helpless player, but but when I don't know that he's a punk, back, but he de- he definitely out. needs to very quickly find the middle ground. Yeah, but but I mean that's that's the whole thing. All these guys, just you know, we, we've played some inferior opponents this season, and on defense especially, it's just uh, it's selfish play. Jalen Phillips, you know, uh, the only reason the, you know, clock's uh, a stop clock is right two times a day. That was him on, on Saturday. The only two plays he made were just they happened, he happened to speed rush the edge and uh, just found a guy right in front of him. Other than that, he was worthless the whole game. And that's the Silvera. The week before, he's, he's talking about, oh, am I going pro? Am I not going pro? What the – as far as I'm concerned, go pro. Go, uh, yeah, go, go sit on a bench somewhere on a practice squad. We need these guys out of here. Like until this stuff stops. I mean, these guys just lost focus. They beat the crap out of an inferior team, and uh, all, all of a sudden, you know, everyone's you know, Silvera's Warren Sapp. All of a sudden, uh, and he didn't really do anything against Duke. Uh, like you know, unbelievable. But I'm sorry, Bradley Jennings. He looked like he was taking a shit the whole game. He squats down, waits five seconds, and then runs into an offensive lineman. Like, I'm sorry, that wasn't coaching. Yeah, maybe. I mean, coaches had plenty to blame too. But my God, I mean, and then this affinity towards these senior linebackers. Um, Sam Brooks wasn't great in that game, but he, he, he was at least doing something. He was in the mix a little bit. He got like 20 snaps. Bradley Jennings didn't know what planet he was on, and uh, he played a good bulk of the game. Like, it, it was just, I don't know, a debacle from, from top to bottom. But, you know, 
I'm looking, I, I brought up this idea a couple weeks ago. Um, Blake Baker. It, you know, yeah, he's running Manny's defense, but it, I looked it up earlier today. It, Manny Diaz, in his first three years, or, or his three years as defensive coordinator here, his defenses gave up 30-plus yards five times in three seasons. Blake Baker has given up 30-plus points four times this year. He's not good. Like, And I know it's Manny's defense and all that, but in game time, you got to be able to adapt on the fly. And Baker, just he, he doesn't have a damn clue what he's doing out here. And, yeah, Manny can veto, but – how much time do you have? You, you've got, you know, especially an up-tempo team like uh, like North Carolina, you've got 15, maybe 20 seconds in between a play to adjust on the fly. If you have a D coordinator who doesn't know what the hell he's doing and, and is just completely inept, there's only so much time Manny has to intervene. And, and I, I loved what, uh, uh, oh, who's the previous caller said, you know, call a damn timeout. <laughs> just do something. Uh, yeah. uh, break and flop. Do uh, do a Butch Davis. Have your guys flop or something. You got plenty of guys out there who weren't doing shit. Have them flop over. Do something. But um, you know, it, it, so I look at it like Blake Baker. Who is he recruited? No one. I mean, like, who's his mark? I mean, the young linebackers that they have, we don't know if they'll end up being any good, but, you know, Austin Cave, A bunch of stars who we could have gotten just from being Miami. Oh, I understand, Um, but that's who he recruited. So, like, it maybe turns zero. He can't game plan. um, He's not a good closer in recruiting. Like, you know, has there ever been a guy who he's, you know, swayed on the back end? Because – you know, the defensive coordinators probably aren't going to be your key, uh, you know, guys in, in terms of uh, – No, they're not supposed or, or, to be, right. Your coordinators aren't supposed to be your lead recruiters. He can't close. And his position coaching is marginal at best. I mean, it does look like there's some young guys who, you know, Brooks and, and Flag definitely flash. They look like, you know, with a good off season, they could – they could turn into something, but Baker just, he, he's got nothing done. Um, I still say if, if Ed Reed's serious about maybe coaching this team, band uh, up there to D coordinator and, uh, and you put Reed in at the safeties coach, you don't have to get rid of your guys. You know, Blake Baker's a casualty, but the guy's a bum. He hasn't, I mean, he's, he's horrible. He's completely outmatched. Um, All right, Jake, I got to let you go because I got other guys that need to get on, but uh, you know, thank you. Thank you, as always, for being part of the show, man. Yeah. Appreciate it, Gary. We'll catch you next time. All right, let's go to the 352. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary. Yes, sir. Hey. Who's this? Quick question for you. Who is this? This is Mike. Hey, this what's up, Mike? Mike? All right, Mike. Um, question for you. Now, you said that – Nobody will come in and be a defensive coordinator because of Manny, right? Well, I don't see one of the elite defensive coordinators of college football coming to do that because they're thinking I'm better than Manny, and they they're thinking they should be the damn head coach. Like I, I just the guys like that don't tend to go work for people that they feel that they're better than. So 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 why is he, so why is he the head coach at University of Miami? Think about that. 
if you can't get a coach to come in and coach for you because they know you're better than you, you shouldn't be the head coach, first and foremost. And, and, and just like you said earlier in the year, let's stop. You know, I had to take a breath. I said, you know what? I can't keep blaming Manning. The headless snake is Blake James. Mark Rick gave University of Miami the best gift they had in the last 20 years. He walked away and didn't want a dime. And this guy took two seconds and hired Manny Diaz. Why is he not held accountable for that disaster? Okay, you see what the university has done time after time. I think he is held accountable, Mike, but it's his, it's the first, it's, it's his second year as head coach. So, uh, you know, they're not sitting there. He won eight games, at, eight out of ten games. They're not sitting there thinking, we got to fire him. I don't think anyone's not holding him accountable, but, like, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to go fire him now? I mean, I understand, no, no, I understand that, but this is what I'm saying. Look at all the bad hires that Miami made before him. You would think he would say, okay, then, I'm going to do this better than the other ADs did before me. I'm going to get this right. That's what I'm saying. Look at all the bad hires before Manny. The, I mean, the school itself has to know this. You've had, like, four bad hires continuously. And then you, then you got a, a tired Mark Rick who should never be, should have never got the job because he was worn out. Mark Rick was he 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 had hung up he hung it up he couldn't take it no more he was worn out before he got hired at Miami he was worn out at Georgia he was already done so why would you bring in Rick instead of going out and getting a, a a good young up and coming vibrant head coach who know about offense and defense who could put a good staff together look at Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy said he Jimmy said he hired his defense coordinator, offense coordinator to run his team because he wanted to deal with the politics of it. He wanted he wanted to control that part of it. Let his his play his coaches below him handle the football part of it. And and Manning has had talks with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy has told him all this stuff. But yet and still, Manning wants to do it his way. And, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, he don't have to fire Blake Baker. He don't have to fire him. Guess what? Nick Saban's going to fire his ass after that first game, if you believe that. Because he's going to put 80 or 100 on his ass, and I hope he do. I'm a Hurricane fan to the end, but you know what? This is the only thing it's going to take. This is what it's going to take to get Manny out of there and Blake James out of there. Somebody got to keep blowing them out for them to recognize and see the shit is not working. That's what it's going to take. Because Nick Saban is going to run the score up on him, trust me. It's gonna be so much pressure on Blake James, so something's gonna have to happen. Trust me on that. He so he ain't got to fire Blake Blake Baker. Nick Saban gonna fire his ass. Believe it. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, keep me on. We'll yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Let's go to the uh, three eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how we doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Who's this? That's Willie. Hey. What's up, Willie? If I'm putting you on the spot, if I'm putting you on the spot, I apologize. But I, I got no three. I want to tell you three things. That's what, really I'm, what I'm here for. All right. A few years back, when we opened against LSU and lost, you say you left that game with the impression that Mark Rick wasn't the coach to lead this program. So no. after two full seasons, I never said that. That was way, way too early to make that kind of judgment. What I saw at that game, Willie, was a team that thought it was going to be really, really good. And when LSU came out and started punching them in the mouth, 
those kids freaked out and started looking at each other like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, we're supposed to be good this year. Like, why are we getting beat like this? That's what I saw in Dallas. So how not do you, too, how do you not feel too about dissimilar, that? Willie. Willie, not too dissimilar to maybe what we watched on Saturday. Because I think all those kids just panicked. They were getting the shit kicked out of them. And I think, the, and I think they panicked. They didn't know what they were doing. The you know North Carolina was scheming them up. They were beating the crap out of Jalen Phillips. They had guards pulling and smacking them. They had their tackles smacking them. Every play, Jalen Phillips was having his will tested. Okay, they were they were going after him physically. And I think a lot of those kids just like were like like in shell shock. Well, where I was going with this is, so what are your impressions of Manny after two full seasons? Look, I think Manny is what Manny has always been. He's been a, a middle-of-the-pack defensive coordinator who has bounced around from a lot of jobs to a lot of jobs, um, who can do an okay job, but he is not an elite defensive coordinator. Um he the one thing he usually does, and one of the few times we've seen it was in this game the other day, where you could make an argument that maybe those kids weren't playing as hard as they could have been in some cases. And he usually gets the kids to play really hard. Um, if you want him to be a head coach, I I felt at the time that it was in his best interest talk Blake James into giving him the Miami job. I you know the money would have been good. He I thought he should have gone to Temple and he should have learned how to be a head coach and polish that whole thing up from every standpoint, recruiting, you know, being the leader of the program, which is different than being a coordinator. Um, that's what I thought at the time. I, I thought Blake James made a colossal mistake when he did that, and I thought Manny made a mistake talking Blake into it, and I haven't seen anything in the last two years that – has, has made me pause and say, Gary, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I stand 100% behind my opinion I had that night. And I think that, you know, he's, he's trying, but, and he, and I thought he did, he, I thought he had a great 2020. I mean, he made a lot of moves in the off season. I thought they all were good. I think they allowed him and set him up to come through this season and win eight games because this could have been a five win football team very easily. And it was the well, movie made in the office. That, I got him to eight. It's, it, it's something he said that really pissed me off. I, I want to know how you feel about the mentally exhausted comment. I, I get where he's coming from. I know what they've been through. I I know what they've been through health-wise. I know what they've been through, you know, just, you know, not knowing who who's going to be healthy week to week. You know, kids sitting in dorm rooms for 14 days at a time looking at the walls by themselves. Think about that. You know, think about the mental impact of that, and now you're expected to come out and go beat North Carolina. You've been sitting in your in a dorm room looking at the four walls by yourself for two weeks. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. Like, listen, I mean, we're all football fans out here. You know, everybody wants to see the Canes kick everybody's butt every week and all that. We wanted our games. Um, the kids wanted to play. Everybody did a great job of of you know, rallying and, and going out there and putting a football season together. Um, we got our entertainment and all, but I think sometimes we can be a little insensitive as to how difficult that was. And I'm not saying you make an excuse for what happened at hard rock on Saturday. That was a total joke. We all know that they got the absolute crap kicked out of them. Nobody's arguing, but 
that doesn't change what those kids and those coaches have been through for the last six months. And, you know, I, I think that in our anger over the result, that maybe that's gotten a little lost. I think the humanity, has, you know, because of the way that game played out, if it had been a close game or whatever, you know, wh- you know what I'm what I'm selling right now might go over a little better. But you know, right now I got you know a few thousand Canes fans out there listening to the show right now, and they're saying Gary's making goddamn excuses, and I get it. Everyone's pissed. I mean, that was ugly, but. I understand what those people were going through. And I mean, it, I mean, I wouldn't want to, I mean, you know, and now they're going to go play a bowl game against Oklahoma state and try to stay healthy for another two, three weeks. And I don't know, man, we'll see what happens. I don't feel good about the, you know, I don't know what Oklahoma state's going to come in there like though. So I, I, I guess it's hard to say what I was saying, but I don't feel great about the Canes being in the supreme state of mind when they head to Orlando. Okay, last point. You talk to Manny, you tell him he was making reference of a 98 team getting beat by Syracuse 66-13. You tell him, number one, that team had navigated its way through a probationary period, and they wasn't the 10th-ranked team in the nation. And last thing is, tomorrow night at this time, Kane fans are going to be surprised we signed who? Surprised? I mean, will you be surprised if they sign Jake Garcia, the quarterback? No. Okay. I'll be surprised I, if we sign Tennessee Lewis. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, the greatest surprise might be the um, – it could be Markevious Brown, but I don't think that one's going to happen. Um, you know, I think – I mean, Tavares Dawson would be a surprise, but he's committed to Auburn, but I think he's going to wait. So I don't expect that to happen tomorrow. Maybe uh, Jaden McBurrows could happen tomorrow, you know, from St. Thomas Aquinas committed to Michigan or uh, not committed to Michigan, but he's picking between Michigan and Miami. Uh, Actually, no, I'm sorry. He is committed to Michigan, but he's, he has said that he might flip to Miami and we'll find out tomorrow whether he does or not. I mean, that that I guess would that, qualify as a surprise for you yeah it would hey appreciate it man i'm gonna say uh gary awesome show all right man thanks for being part of it let's go to the uh 786 now you're live on kane sport live hello yeah who's this hello yeah who's this joe hey what's up joe what you got for us man i'm gonna just start it over like this the 2012 Discover Orange Bowl was a postseason college football game. On Wednesday, January 4th, 2012, at Sun Life Stadium, known as Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida, the West Virginia Mountaineers defeated the Clemson Tigers by a score of 70-33. Do people not remember that with Apple? Like, I get your points, and some of the points about Manny is like, we just got to take Saturday as we got our asses handed to us. We got our coach. We got our play. We got our everything. Nothing went right. Like, didn't shit go right for the Kane Saturday. We have to, when they recruit, Miami got to get players. Just know this one thing, Gary. Look at how teams get up for Miami when they play the Hurricanes as to how the Hurricanes get up when they play other teams. 
We got to get players that want it. It's simple. We got to get better coaches. I agree with one of your callers. Blake Baker is pure deep garbage. He's dumpster juice. Like he don't make no adjustment. It's a copycat league, just like the, one of the callers said earlier. Um, Notre Dame gave you the blueprint to fucking beat Notre to beat North Carolina. We didn't follow it. Hell, we beat the hell out of Florida State. Florida State gave you the fucking blueprint on how to beat them. But it's like we got to get the dog-ass players that Miami's used to getting. We're not going to get them all. You just got to get players with hearts. We got to get better coaches. We got to get better, like, all around the fucking board. But first of all, I want to just say this to Manny Diaz, and I hope he's fucking listening. Manny Diaz, you got to let Blake Baker know, this shit is not personal. This is business. Don't let Blake Baker cost you your job due to the fact you know how Hurricane fans are. Okay, but you understand they're one, right? You you understand that they're not they're they're, they're one being. They're not they they don't Blake Baker doesn't stand alone, separate from Manny. We've been talking about that all night. Like they, they are they are one. They stand together as one. I understand, but at, at, at some point in time, uh, Gary, it's not business. I mean, it's not personal. This shit business. No, but but but, but it's man it's Manny's defense, and Manny has his hand in everything that goes on. Manny spends every minute of a practice on the defensive practice field. Like, you know, this isn't like, oh, Blake Baker's over here on the side autonomously running the defense. It's just not like that. I know it is when there's a true, you know, like Rhett Lashley runs the offense, okay? Manny's not micromanaging Rhett Lashley. Rhett Lashley is the head coach of the offense, essentially, and everything that goes on on offense, he's calling the shots. So you want to rip offense, rip Rhett Lashley. No argument. But Manny has his, has his paw prints in every single thing that goes on on defense. And Blake Baker is not an autonomous defensive coordinator. Well, one thing about it, Manny should know this. He grew up in Miami. I've been a Hurricane fan since 78, going to the Orange Bowl roof with Jim Kelly. The one thing Manny knew, the fans would switch on his ass, regardless of what. No, they won't. They 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 switched last year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he's trying to win them back. This this the thing you I mean in some places eight and two is cool me given the circumstances of just 2020 as a whole I mean it is what it is just like I said we got our asses handed to us you can't blame COVID for the loss but don't blame it for the win I mean we got we got we got some ways to go but hopefully hopefully starting tomorrow we'll get some more dogs we'll we'll we'll, we'll get some more dogs who 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 going to really bring it on the green tree practice field. And that shit will translate to fucking um, hard rock. But for the time being, we just we just got our ass asses handed to us. We got, just like I say, we got our coach. We got whooped in every phase of the game. I'm talking about from the fans and all. They had fewer fans than we had, but their fans was able to make more noise. I mean, we got our asses handed to us. It is what it is. Hopefully the Leonard Taylors, the fucking James Williams, that young stud from the West, number five, Kitchens, like number one, the receiver, Brinson. Like, hopefully we get in the players that's going to make the difference. Like, they could be the difference. But at the same time, at the end of the day, all that shit going to boil down to coaching. Still All right, Joe. Hey, I got to let you go, man. I got I got the man on the line, and we're going to talk a little recruiting here. So I uh, got to let you run. Thank you for being part of the show. And uh, let me switch gears here and bring in – 
I don't know whether to call him the king of South Florida high school football, the dean of South Florida high school football, call him whatever you want. But he's the man, and this is the moment that we need to speak to Mr. Larry Bluestein. Uh, Larry, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Gary. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, you know, long day, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun in a season that hasn't been so fun. Yeah, you know, it really has been nuts, and, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you, there's an, it's an angry Miami fan base right now over what they saw on, um, on Saturday at Hard Rock. So there's, there's a lot of hope that tomorrow is going to bring some reinforcements into the mix here. And um, so, you know, I wanted to kind of go through, through it with you really quickly here today. But uh, first, before sure. we start talking about individual players, um, let me ask you about this recruiting cycle because it is the most ridiculous, bizarre thing I think. And you and I have been doing we've been doing this for a very long time, and I can't remember ever seeing anything that would even come close to this. Where kids go through an entire recruiting year, they can't take official visits, they can't they they can't visit coaches, coaches can't go visit them, and now signing day is tomorrow morning, and they are expected to pick a school where they're going to go play football. And uh, somehow it's coming off, but have you ever seen anything like this in your life? No. And they extended it until April of 21. That's the, that's the joke that the NCAA has become um, laughable. Someone should strip them of their powers to govern uh, any of these athletics because they certainly don't get it. If, they, if the objective is to get these kids looked at in exposure and in school, you need the you need the line of communication to be wide open, especially in a year like this. But I've I've beaten that with a dead you know like a dead horse for so many years. It's just it it and it gets worse because no, I just don't understand how college coaches or even parents haven't filed some type of lawsuit against the NCAA for uh, preventing their kids from getting more exposure because they don't they don't get any exposure whatsoever now, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's crazy because of COVID, um, you know, they don't want the kids to mix with the coaches and the coaches to go in to, to all the schools. I get that, but don't cut off the lines of communication. You know I mean? Let, let them at least the parents are lost as it is. And, uh, yeah, oh, uh, well, you know, it, it doesn't hurt your star rated athletes who committed and who pretty much are set to go where they're going to go, but it does uh, hurt those fringe kids who the last time that a college coach got a chance to really eyeball them and see them, they were five ten and one eighty, And now they're six, two, two twenty because it's been 13 months since they've been able to see them. So it's, uh, those are the kids that it hurts. Uh, but it also gives colleges with a lot of, um, you know, with, with a lot of ties to the, uh, to so many, you know, high schools around the country, it gives them an advantage too because they could get exposed to some of those kids that I was talking about before a lot of the others. So um, yeah, this is it's been fun, uh, but uh, you know, certainly frustrating at the same time uh, for a lot of those kids who who certainly need a place to go. I don't know how you tell a kid you're going to pick a college tomorrow morning that yeah. you've never seen you've never seen before. You've never met anybody there face-to-face. Everything's been Zoom conversations. And you're going to sign a letter of intent saying that you're going to go spend the next four years there. I mean, I just don't get that concept. Um, You've literally had kids sneaking onto campuses and 
having coaches on FaceTime with them, telling them where to go and describing yeah. things that they would describe on visits. I, I mean, it, it yeah. is just absolutely astonishing. And then on the flip side, coaches are having to make decisions to offer kids scholarships and, and take kids in a recruiting class that they've never met. They've never met their parents face to face. They've never sat down and have conversations. They don't know anything about these kids. They haven't been to the high schools. They haven't spoken to the people at the high schools about their character, what kind of kids they are. This is the most imperfect recruiting process that you're ever going to see. And I want to go through this class with you. So we might as well start. The, the, the greatest place to start, Larry, is with Jake Garcia, quarterback, who I believe is going to sign with Miami tomorrow. This kid... Okay, he he did visit Miami. He visited Miami back when Dan Enos was the offensive coordinator. So he's seen the school. He's had the tour. But he didn't pick Miami. He picked USC. And he is committed to USC now for well over a year. So what happens? They they take this kid. He's a four-star kid. And as time goes by, USC decides that maybe they're not as crazy about Jake Garcia, that they might have some better options over here. And so they take a second quarterback. Jake Garcia says, okay, I don't mind competing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, you could take two, no problem. Then a week before signing day, he finds out that now they're recruiting a third quarterback, so which, which is essentially the USC staff telling Jake Garcia, who has been committed for a full calendar year, that we really don't want you anymore. We think we've got guys that are better. So now this kid pulls the he has to pull the plug on his commitment, no problem. He's already gone to Georgia to play high school football because they canceled high school football in California. And right. for, fortunately for him, Larry, he had a relationship with with the Miami staff and had spoken to Rhett Lashley at least. And it looks like he's going to sign with Miami tomorrow. But that right there yeah. and all those elements of Jake Garcia's recruitment just sums up the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and and he's you know like I said, and I'm one guy. I'm a proponent for depth, which Miami has no depth at any position. So that really helps out as far because you know the way I feel about Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's he's the most overlooked guy that they have. I mean, this is a, that anybody understands. This kid's just a tremendous football talent. He's a great baseball player and he's a great athlete, and, and he's gonna he and Jake will be be trading punches left and right in there because and that's good because that that's what Miami needs. Miami needs this they, they need three Leonard Taylors. They don't just need one. Uh they need another uh James Williams. They don't need just one. See Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they get those two and three guys every cycle. So that's why you could afford to lose a defensive front like Clemson did that year and still be you know, still play for the national title the next year. Uh, that's where Miami needs to get. Uh, will they get there? There's a lot of questions. You know, this class coming in right here is a great class. Uh, but you just illustrated why this is a great class. First of all, because of the fact that the parents, uh, A, I'm probably laying on the line. They had no chance to go to anywhere else. They had no other visits. They had no chance to go to, you know, Florida or Wisconsin or Ohio State because of the pandemic. So they pretty much saw Miami. It's a regional uh, recruiting class, only four kids from outside the state, maybe five. Uh, and that's it. Uh, Miami played on the fact that, uh, that all the fans kept saying that they lose all the top kids. Well, they didn't lose all the top kids. They lose some, but 
They didn't lose all of them this time. I think with James Williams and with um, Leonard Taylor, you got two of the best players in the country. And uh, and definitely in Leonard Taylor, a kid, if he stays healthy, he'll be a first-day top-five pick in the NFL draft. He's that good. He's that dominant. Have you had a chance? I know J- Garcia's been through California and Georgia now. Have you yeah. had a chance to watch tape on him? I watched him, yeah. Nice-looking kid. Uh, makes a lot of throws. Um, yeah, he'd be a – like I said, you get get him in, get him here, and uh, add him to the competition. I mean, and let him, you know, it's let not going to be one Van Dyke. of Yeah, exactly. Let him compete with Van Dyke because those are your two. And and you know what? I'm not going to take Peyton Machocha out of the mix too. I watch that kid throw. He's got a pretty decent arm, and he makes good decisions. So let them all three go at it. Let's see what happens. And uh, uh, you know, then you create depth. You create a lot of competition, which Miami doesn't have. They just don't have it. You know, I mean, and it, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, but that's the way it has to be. If you're going to be a championship caliber team you're going to have to do that and and if the transfer portal eases them in which is great because i heard somebody mention this the other day you know at the nfl level with the dolphins uh, let the dolphins get like one of the top wide receivers uh, you know but also get with somebody in free agency so he can learn from him and that's what the hurricanes need to do they need to get some like you know they had uh, two years ago they went to buffalo and got a guy who really uh, lifted the team up because he was a veteran guy he was 22 23 years old that's what they need to do uh you know not everybody has to come from high school if you're going to go in the transfer portal get yourself a darn wide receiver that you know can teach some of these young kids uh, you know a, a thing or two about what it takes to to, to catch a ball when they need to catch a ball. All right, let's talk about a guy that I know you've seen a lot of and up close, and that's Thaddeus Franklin, the running back from Chaminade, Madonna, who is going to be the lone running back in this recruiting class. Miami's got Don Chaney, they've got Jalen Knighton, and I can't imagine that Cam Harris is going pro. So it's a crowded backfield right now. You've got three guys. Can, does Thaddeus Franklin have the ability to compete with those three guys or is he the number four guy for now? And he's looking at competing down the road. Well, he'll be another, he'll be a number four guy uh, for now. I mean, you know, he's been hurt too. So he hasn't really played a lot, you know, this year uh, towards the end because of the fact that he had, uh, you know, he got, he got injured and uh, they, they gave way to a freshman, but when he's healthy, he's a, he's a big 10 runner, big kid, uh, wear you down, uh, you know, they're all change of pace backs. You have, you know, you, you have somebody like uh, Jalen Knighton who's a, uh, an elusive, quick, slithering back who gets through the holes. You don't get a good shot at him. You got a guy like Chaney who's athletic, a seven-foot high jumper. And then you got the Franklin who will wear you down with his big body. So, yeah, I think that uh, having those three complement each other really well for the future. So you think Franklin fits? He, 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 I he think fits. Franklin fits. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So let's move on to the wide receiver spot where you got three three guys from South Florida, which means that you've seen them extensively as well. Uh, let's start with Romello Brinson, the, uh, the the lanky receiver from Miami Northwestern, 6'2", 180. Uh, we've got him rated as a four-star at Rivals. Um, your thoughts on Romello Brinson and, and how he's going to come in and fit right away in the Rhett Lashley Different. offense? Difference maker, um, kid that does anything and everything, uh, fast. Uh, he'll get the ball. He'll go up to the highest point and get the ball. He'll steal it from you. 
Uh, he's got great ball skills, tremendous athlete. Um, midway uh, through the first uh, part of his uh, freshman year, he'll be playing. Uh, more and more to the point by the end of his freshman year, he either will be starting or he will have extensive playing time. So he can, he can or cannot be better than D. Wiggins and Mark Pope. He can. Okay, well that'll that'll be encouraging the people because Miami needs to get better. See, to me, no, he, uh, he can be better. To 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 uh, me, he, like the barometer in recruiting for Miami right now should be: is this guy better than what we are playing with? Because what they are playing with is not getting them anywhere. So they have right. to upgrade the personnel in this program. And I think that should be the standard on all these guys. And uh, so, you know, Brinson, and, and, I, and I happen to agree with you on Brinson. I think he's a guy that can be better. There's yeah, no doubt about maker. it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, let, let, no, I was go just going to say, but let, let's, let's also take a look at, at guys like Pope and, and Wiggins who that before, you know, that I don't think that they were tremendously coached up in the past. They got better coaching this year. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, Jacoby George, a kid that might be one of the sleepers of this class, in my opinion. Um, you know, probably not as polished as Romello Brinson, but, you know, he's, he's got to get bigger. I think he only weighs 165, 170 pounds right now. He's going to need some time. But he does have some pretty decent ball skills, right, Larry? Yeah, well, here's a kid also, uh, one of those athletes. As a freshman, he kicked and he punted, uh, played safety and played wide receiver. And then as a sophomore, he kicked off and uh, he went to he went to D, he he uh, kick return and punt return to add to everything else that he does. Just an, an amazing athlete, um, a second year difference maker. First year he'll learn a lot. I think it'll be a kind of a crowded house of good athletes in there. And uh, but by his second year, he'll. He'll he'll make a part. He also can uh, be a punt returner. He's got great great hands for a punt returner too. All right, and then the third receiver in this class is going to be Brashard Smith from Miami Palmetto. And we've watched how Mike Harley has just like exploded in this Rhett Lashley offense this year. And Lashley's really good at finding angles for these guys uh, to to make big plays and stuff. And I and I think when he recruited. Richard Smith, and I think he recruited him personally. That's how badly he wanted him. Um, that he sees that type of player, a guy that he can really game plan with and, and, and isolate him in, in advantageous situations and, and get big plays. Day one kick returner, uh, no doubt. Um, tough, tough, tough to guard against him. He, he'll, he'll, he'll average 30 yards every time he gets his hands on the ball. He's just that way. Um, former running back so he has an opportunity to understand how to run with the ball once he gets it in his hands um played in the secondary so he has really really good hands so he's been one of those versatile swiss army knife guy who's given who gave palmetto four straight weeks of running the wildcat and, and sacrificing his body in the playoffs because they lost their quarterback so yeah he's another one he's road tested um, he'll 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 definitely make his way onto the field before a lot of these guys will. And and he showed his toughness by taking on that role as the you know he's not yeah. the biggest guy in the world and he no. took on that role as no. Wildcat quarterback and I think he showed his toughness 
in in doing that. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, I really like out. yeah, I like that one a lot. He had his ass beat up, but yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know, so with these three guys, I I, I feel like they are improving themselves at the receiver yeah. position with yeah. these three guys. I feel really good about about that position here in recruiting. I think it's one of the the better ones. All right, let's move to the tight ends. Um, have you had a chance to watch much of Elijah Arroyo out of Texas? Probably as much as anybody has. That's all I've been doing. I watch that kid over. I watch every single game film he has. I'm telling you, this kid is a keeper. He will yep. knock you out as a blocker, and he will catch things upfield on you. He's quick. He's elusive. He's strong. I'm telling you, this this guy comes in with the attitude that just tell me what to do and I'll get it done. I like him a lot. Yeah, I love him. I'm I'm with you 100%. I've watched the, um, a lot of tape on him as well. And I think he fits like a glove at the tight end position here at Miami. Uh, and yeah. I think he'll play. I think if Brevin Jordan goes pro, I think he'll play next year. I really do. I yeah. mean, I know Dominic Mamorelli has been doing a decent job and Larry Hodges and all. I think this kid is, is, has more ability than those guys. And I think he's going to rise very quickly. It'll be interesting though to, to watch, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. A great pickup. Now, Nobody ever hits 100% in a recruiting class, and and we we always sit here and on signing day, and and you know you feel you know you want you know everybody's an all American on signing day. The one of the one of the ones that I've wondered about is this next guy, and not because I don't think he's a good player. I you know I think he's 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 a decent player and all that. Um, I'm not sure that he's a Miami player, and I'd be curious to know what you think because you know I, I know you've seen him a lot. And that's Khalil Brantley. Um, very nice kid. He's been a hurricane for, for a long time now. He committed back in February 2019. He helped recruit Jake Garcia. Um, he's a hurricane all the way. But can he play at Miami with the type of tight ends like Arroyo that, that, that they recruit? Yeah. Well, first of all, he's going to be an H-back. And secondly, what he is, is he's probably the best athlete in the entire deal he averages 44 yards in punting he throws the football 76 yards in the air uh this kid is one of the best athletes that miami recruits in this class i'm telling you right now hey i've watched him play other positions uh he does everything he's an ultimate team player gets it done in the classroom no he's he's definitely he's definitely one of the most important guys in this class you watch him he's he's going to make his way on the field in, in a number of ways, they could. They have a lot of packages that they they're going to have in store for somebody like this. This kid just he's a complete. He, he's just a complete surprise that people n- never watch him. But just just watch him. Gets up field just as good as anybody. Sheds blockers. But not only that, he can run with the ball, and that's why he was a wide receiver for three of the last two and a half to three years before everyone started deeming him as a tight end. He's more of an H back because he could do a lot of different things. But like I said, anybody that could punt the ball 40 something yards in, in a, as an average and somebody who could throw the ball that far uh, gets my vote anytime. Do you see him at a Brevin Jordan type level as yeah. an athlete? You do? Yes. Yeah. All right. And, then and then he, if, you, if, if you're right, Brevin then I'm wrong. Not, well, here's the thing about Brevin Jordan. He has not – he's going to be one of those guys almost like Chantrell Henderson. 
that you never really got a chance to look because they were hurt or they were doing something else. Because how much did Brevin Jordan play? We really didn't get a full mix of Brevin. He's been out. He was out five games this year, five last year. So I'm telling you, this kid comes in with a lot of durability. He's going to do more for the team overall uh, in, in different roles. I'm just thinking that people don't really understand that that Brantley is really a very very good football player. Can he and, be a Chris uh, Herndon type player, Larry? Can he can he like let's let's use Chris Herndon as an example? Yeah, he can do that. I think he can do that, but I think he's more set. You'll see. He he's they, they'll have a lot of packages for him uh, where they get him paired with safeties uh, or linebackers. Uh, you know, from from the backfield, from motion, um, he's that type of guy. Uh, you know, they'll see once he gets doing stuff and and starts doing it better than a lot of people. That that he's, you know, and I've been watching that kid since he was in little league too. So he's no, I know you have. He's All right, so been, wh- he's always been athletic. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to mentally adjust myself. And I'm going into this one with an open mind because, I, like I said, you know, a minute ago, like I was kind of wondering about that one a little bit um, because yeah. you know you always look yeah. and say, okay, who who are the guys that might be reaches a little bit and stuff? You know, if you look back through the recruiting classes of the last ten years, I mean, at best they've been fifty-fifty propositions. So, like, sure. I'm always looking at Everybody it with that type it. of yeah, I'm always looking at it with that type of eye. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know you know, check myself on that one and, and go into it with a little bit more of an open mind uh, based on your review. All right. The offensive lineman, Larry, um, a position of immense need at Miami. There's, I don't think anybody would, would, would argue that I'm looking for them to get the heck out of town and go out into the Midwest and, 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 you know, the panhandle if they're, you know, and find some tough ass SOBs that can come down here and be the type of um, dominant difference-making offensive lineman that Miami has just not been getting in recent years. Okay. So that's out the door for the most part Um, in this recruiting class. We're starting with three guys from, from Dayton Broward, essentially. Um, So I want your opinion on them. Lawrence Seymour, uh, Miami central. Um, he's six two, two sixty five. Now he's got to get bigger, obviously. Uh, to, tell us your thoughts on him. Stud, uh, just in anywhere you put him, guard, center, tackle, um, just probably end up a guard for him because only because of Rodriguez will go to center. Um, just, uh, just will just beat every defensive lineman he goes against. He's got great leverage. He's strong. He's athletic. He's knowledgeable. He's played the position. He's going to be a three- to four-year starter. Better than DeLone Scaife-level player in college? A whole lot different. A whole lot different. But will he be a higher – will he be a better – will he be a better offensive lineman? I think he comes in as a more accomplished offensive lineman and has played the position a lot longer. So played all the way back since the sixth grade. So he's never wavered. Okay. All right. Um, Ryan Rodriguez, the center out of Miami Columbus, um, walking in this year. He'll be the heir apparent to Corey Gaynor at center after Corey Gaynor finishes no out ne- next year. Um, your thoughts on him? No question. Uh, student of the game. Quality kid, quality player, just 
coaches like just like what he brings to the table. Strong, he's agile, he's athletic. He's he, his first step is quick. Gets out of there. Yeah, he's and he's a leader. You know, he's a leader. So he's going to be very special. All right, and then the third one from South Florida is Michael McLaughlin from Douglas Parkland. Um, a tall right. kid, six eight. 295. Uh, he's gained, I think, like 60 pounds in, mm-hmm. in the last year or two, uh, kind of gone the Zion Nelson route. Uh, clearly a, a, a tackle uh, project, so to speak. What, what Have you had a chance to I, – I know he's at, yeah. at Parkland Douglas. Plenty. Have you had yeah. a chance to watch him live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a couple and? times. Uh, Eric, he's Eric Winston. That's what he's – he's Eric Winston. Not going to say that he's going to be Eric Winston in college and what Eric Winston did in the NFL, but he's Eric Winston coming out of Texas. 6'8", gawky, tight end looking, but tackle for sure. Um, agile, athletic, um, can run. Uh, that's what he is. That's what he represents. That's uh, You don't go against – you don't go and find these – all kids who can run like that or an athletic like that too often. And, uh, yep, he's the deal. Uh, but he's got a, a year or two, uh, you know, to sit there and cultivate his talents. And, uh, but, uh, he's going to be a guy, uh, down the line. And so you see him as a guy, guy, you see him as somebody that can maybe play by year three. Yes. Okay. And then they're, Garen they're taking Justice a real hard. Garrett Justice will have a big, uh, Garen Justice will have a big influence on his career, too. Okay. And then there's another guy, Austin Barber, out of the Jacksonville area mm-hmm. that they that they recently offered. Um, have you had a chance to look at him at all? Yes. Saw him last year. Um, yeah, another kid that, you know, fits the mold, the uh, athletic type of kid, intelligent, uh, leadership. Uh, I think he, you know, he's got athletic ability, uh, you know, another guy that'll be in a mix for playing role, second, second, third year type of kid. All right, he's gonna wait till February to sign, so he won't be signing tomorrow. Miami's in a battle with uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Maryland, and Virginia Tech for him right now. But so we'll be waiting a little bit for that verdict. Um, moving to the defensive line, Larry, I, I, have you had a chance to watch Thomas Davis on film much? The kid out of Georgia. Yes, I have. I saw him twice. I, I think you and I talked about him last time. Uh, yeah, extremely. I saw, In fact, I saw him against Northwestern last year, uh, and he impressed me there. He uh, showed his speed, um, extremely agile guy. I, yeah, you got to like what he brings to the table, gets it done against all the t- top players. Uh, you know, you try to, you know, try to block him. You know, I've seen him. They, they try to high-low him a little bit, and you know, do a lot of stuff to slow him down, but no, he's very athletic and strong. All right. Now we come to another guy that I'm really interested to see your, your feelings on this one. Um, he's a shaded undersized, maybe not, not really sure, but um, you know, I'd be cur- I'm curious to know what you think about Alan Hay from Shamana Madonna defensive tackle recruit is going to sign tomorrow. Got a chance to see Allen play four times this year, and I'm gonna and and I will see him for the fifth time tomorrow evening. Um, I will tell you this: he uh, is probably the biggest surprise. Uh, I think everybody you know who recruited him liked him, but after watching him this year, there's 
there's a lot to be happy about because he's strong, he's fast, uh, he gets out of there quick, um, he gets in, he chases people down. Um, yeah, he's a great run stopper. Um, he's going to be somebody to watch, and I think Miami really struck gold with him. All right, uh, Jabari Ishmael, the defensive end from Miami Columbus. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, kind of work in progress, but uh, you can't teach six six. He's like six five, six six, tall kid. Great bloodlines. Dad, I uh, ran into his uh, brother who used to play at Miami Sunset, who's now the athletic director at Palm Glades. His dad, strength conditioning coach. Um, he's very athletic. And I think he's going to get in that 260, 270 range someday, and he's going to be he's going to beat people up because he's very athletic right now. He's still thinnish, but uh, that's going to change. It's going to change weight room wise. It's going to change with the, you know the way he uh, you know the way he eats and and uh, just you know his nutritional process. But uh, he's got a second year. He can make some noise, and third year he can really be a huge asset. All right, we've talked about in recent years so much about the need for more elite recruits. And the next guy, Leonard Taylor from Miami Palmetto, defensive tackle. I think you and I are in 100% agreement on this one, too, that he is an elite recruit. You just said a minute ago that you you think he, in three years, is going to be a top five NFL draft pick. What makes makes him so great? He's strong, quick, athletic. Plays the game like he's 145 pounds. <laughs> he gets around fast. Uh, you know, he move. He, he his first his first move was like he's like a potential Aaron Donald type of guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to be, but you know, well, I can't say that. But he's got that athletic ability. I can tell you that. He's just yeah, he's the deal. He's you don't have to look at him once or twice to to, to know that he's 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 a difference maker. He he can be the mega superstar that Miami's been looking for for a while. You know, well, we used to take them yeah, all for granted. They need another one, though. No, no, no question about it. But you know, we 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 look back at the Warren Saps, the Vince Wilforks. You know, Miami used to yeah. recruit these guys like they were like it was nothing. Uh, we haven't had one like that in a long time, and and I agree with you. I think Leonard Taylor has a chance to be that kind of player. Easily, yep. All right, let's talk, um, you know, Mason Smith, they're still recruiting out of Louisiana. He's the number one player in the country. Um, I don't think they're going to get him. I think he's going to Alabama, Georgia, or LSU. I I just, you know, I I don't want to spend a lot of time on that one. I just think, you know, Blake Baker did a great job recruiting him, just getting in the conversation. But I can't imagine that Mason Smith is going to pick Miami tomorrow. So let's move on to the linebackers. And there's a kid that I'm going to start with that I've been trying to figure this one this out for uh, over a year now because he, he's been committed since February 2019. And I don't know where he's going to fit or what he's going to do, but I know they like him a lot. Tyler Johnson from Miami Killian. Ha- have you had a chance to yeah. see him very much? Yeah. So I'm last and your, week. Uh, playing. Your thoughts? I like him. Uh, big kid, uh, quick kid, uh, smart brother of Jaquan Johnson. Um, does so much right. Um, yeah, he's going to – well, he's tall, so they can make him – he could go to outside linebacker pretty quick if needed. He And he's fast, and he's agile, and he's – yeah, he's the, he's the deal and a great kid. So, yeah, he's going to be good. He's going to be really good in this class once they – like you said, 
once they figure out where he's going to go. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to get better at linebacker, and we got to get better yeah. at linebacker very quickly. I mean, we saw that the other day against North Carolina. Uh, the linebackers were were MIA, and uh, just yeah, as bad as it gets. So, um, can Tyler Johnson be that kind of player that comes in in this first year or two and 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 Probably makes Miami better? Year, second year, second mm-hmm. year. Uh, you know, he's you know Brooks. Uh, he, he may may be of the same mold as Brooks. Brooks is a very special young man, and uh, you know, but he has that lineage to be that same type of guy. Yes. Okay, um, a guy that I really really like. I, I, again, I don't know how they're you know they're, they're probably going to end up making him a striker. I would think, but I think he's a really good player, and that's Chase Smith at a Melbourne High. Um, yeah. Son of son of former Kane Willie Smith. Uh, have you had a chance to watch him very much? I did. In fact, the day that he committed to Miami, I was at their practice, uh, and I talked to Willie, and I remember when Willie was here, came from Jacksonville back in the day, good tight end. Uh, yeah, I talked to the son and watched him, and uh, this kid, uh, you know, you talk about a Swiss uh, Army knife. Jeez, I mean, he played like five positions, safety, wide receiver, linebacker. He threw the ball around. I mean, yeah, he, you like those athletes, and that's that seems the theme of this recruiting class is Miami got a lot of athletic kids who probably could be like the old days of the Rusty Medeiros who comes in at one position and he ends up playing another. Um, that's what Miami, that's what made Miami so good uh, during those years where they dominated because they had athletes who were interchangeable and not kids who just came in and stuck at one position. All right. The next guy I'm going to bring up spends his spare time, working on a farm up in the middle of the state bagging potatoes and, and lugging potatoes around. Um, it's their, it's a family potato farm, but uh, obviously he doesn't mind working hard. He's got good work ethic and uh, tremendous physicality and instincts. And that's Deshaun Troutman out of Orlando Edgewater, uh, probably going to be an outside linebacker. Uh, have you gotten a chance to see him very much? So I'm in the state title game and I'll be seeing him on Saturday night against St. Thomas Aquinas again. Um, I can't tell you that, uh, you know, I talked to their coach three times about him, and he says, I'll tell you what, Miami got a prize, whether they think so or not, uh, or anybody thinks so. Watch when this kid comes on the field. He never wants to come off. Uh, he's always asking questions. He's always watching film. Yeah, you could do a lot worse, believe me. Yeah, and, and, you know, work ethic will be unquestioned. I mean, this kid wakes up literally before the sun rises and goes out, I I think, before he even goes to school and goes out and works on the farm and bags up potatoes and, and, uh, you know, then goes to football practice. And, I mean, you know, got to give give that kid a lot of credit. Yeah, terrific work work ethic. All right, Terrence Lewis looks like he's getting away, Larry. I'm not sure where he's picking in the end. But he's he's getting out of South Florida, which might be a good thing for him or whatever. Um, is is is, th- is that a big loss for Miami? No, because he was really never coming there anyway. Probably right. he'll end up going back to Tennessee, most mm-hmm. likely. We'll see. How good of a player do you think he'll be in college? Good, but he's got to have to listen. He's going to mm-hmm. have to play their game and not his game, and. Uh, He's, his game has made him successful, but their game is what they play. So, 
All right, Miami's gone big in on defensive backs this year, and, and um, yeah. obviously it's a place where they need to get better. Um, a guy that I'm really interested in getting your opinion on is Malik Curtis. Um, he's a little bit of a smallish uh, athlete out of Fort Myers Bishop Borough, 5'11", 155 pounds, runs exceptionally well. Um, what kind of player do you think Malik Curtis ends up being at Miami? Number one, does he end up on offense or defense? Yeah. Uh, I think they'd, they'd love for him to be a cornerback, right? Yeah, they love for him to be a cornerback, but he does his best work on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I saw him twice this year, once on film, once in person. Um, player uh, doesn't lead as much as I'd like to see him lead, but, uh, you know, especially at a school like that. Uh, but, um, yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, he's going to be a, one of those guys. Another one we just talked about, Gary, being a versatile kid, being athletic, giving the, co- the coaches a chance while they're watching film and they go, hey, you know, Malik looks pretty damn good on the offensive side of the ball. Why don't we just keep him over there? You know, that type of thing. All right. So I agree with you from what I've seen. He does his best work with the ball in his hands on the offensive side of the ball. But we've already got Brashard Smith over here to kind of play that role. Huh? I know, but, uh, you know. Okay, so so here's my question. Malik Curtis, Brashard Smith, who, who, in Larry Bluestein's eyes, who's the better skill athlete? Uh, Brashard. So Malik will go, go to defense. Okay, that's what that's what I was getting at. All right, all right. Um, a kid out of Lehigh, who yeah. is, is he's currently committed to Auburn um, by by the name of Tavares Dawson, is yeah. considering Miami. He's probably going to wait till February to sign. But have you had a chance to watch very much yes, of him? Yes, I saw him against Charlotte this year. In fact, uh, I actually went over to watch your freshman, their sophomore back, Young. Who's really good. He'll be on Miami's radar. I think he already is. I think he already got offered. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I watched the kid. Kid can play. Good sideline to sideline kid. They Actually, they have three really good linebackers on that team. So, he he got a chance to, to show what he could do. I like him quite a bit. Um, and uh, it'd be a good good deal. Yeah, Auburn's, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what uh, transpires at Auburn. Yeah, a lot of the depend on who they, would say. who they A lot of the time. Not so fast. Yeah. yeah, who they who they bring in, yeah. All right, Marquinhos Brown. Mario, uh, your boy Mario's going to No go. chance. No chance he's taking that job. <laughs> R- remember, you heard it here first. All right, Marquinhos Brown, defensive back, IMG yeah. Academy. IMG, okay. right. Mike yeah. Rumps put a lot of time oh, into this kid. This, this, this kid is driving everybody nuts, okay? He's committed to three different schools. Mike Rumpf has spent dozens and dozens and dozens of hours trying to recruit him. Um, is he worth the trouble? He is worth the trouble. I like him. He would be the guy where you and I were just talking about. They need to shore up that secondary. He'd definitely do it. We don't need a pain in the butt, but you know what? If, if Mike Rump takes, uh, you know, takes hold of the kid and, you know, becomes his little personal uh, project, then uh, things work out good. And uh, yeah, well, well, We have no idea. Guy. We have no idea what he's doing tomorrow. Um, you know, no. he's literally committed to two or three different schools, uh, which yeah, I don't uh, think bodes well for Miami. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Now, a guy I know you've seen a ton of, and that's Cam Kinchins at Miami Northwestern. Uh, what kind of safety can Cam Kinchins be at Miami? Well, he can hopefully do it safely, but he can knock you out. 
I mean, he's uh, he hits you like a truck. Not a great uh, cover guy, but, you know, you don't really need to in the scheme Miami has. Um, uh, he, but he does play the run well. If, he, if you're in his area, uh, he plays the game like a linebacker. Safety body, linebacker mentality, um, sure tackler, will always be around the ball. Got to have a kid like that on your team. Uh, elevate your, you, you know, everything that you do up, you know, up front. He makes your front seven a lot better, more active. Um, yeah, I like him. I'd love to see him and James Williams on the field at the same time uh, because James will most likely be one of the guys that uh, where, where Pat Sertan's playing him this year more in the se- in the box, and mm-hmm. that's where you want him to be. You don't want a six five from two hundred twenty pound frame filming the the damn play. You want him in it. So uh, that's best to, and that's why you get him in when uh, and he by the time he gets to Miami, it'd be like two thirty. Um, so you have him and Cam back there for the future for the next three year four years, and it's gonna be fun. Does James Williams stay at safety, or does he become a linebacker? Well, like I just said, what, he could stay at safety, but but play him in the box more. Play him okay. in, up front. Play him within five yards of the of the ball. Then he becomes more active. Then you could use him. That's why he'll get more picks because he's got long arms. And if something's just thrown over the middle, he'll snag that. He could pass rush you because a lot of people can't stop him. And then if you try to throw over the middle, he's 6'5", so he'll pick it or bat it down. So that's where you got to figure Pat Sertan and Daryl Porter at American Heritage, Gary, uh, are really good coaches. And, you know, they don't just coach. You know, they played the game and they understand it. And when you get somebody of that size and you can put, place them in a box, in the box, they become lethal, and he becomes lethal. All right, so if we're talking young safeties at Miami, you've got Avante Williams over here, kind of like yep. on the waiver wire. <laughs> you know, he's on the injured reserve list right now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, he's over here. He's you over here on the side. You get a high price for him in the waiver wire. Holy man. Yeah, you're right. All right, so he's over here on the side, you know, considered the best defensive back recruit of last year. Now you got James Williams right. and Cam Kinchins coming in. You got Keandra Smith, who I think can still be a pretty darn good football player, who's sitting over there at striker, but not really getting to make too big of an impact yet. Um, right. How does this all play out in your mind? I don't know. I, I they, they just have to play. And, 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 you know, but that's what I was just saying. That's You go to an Alabama practice or a Clemson practice, and that's the scenario that you see every day. You right. see that type of athletes all battling. So it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You know, I mean, that's why why you get elevated. And, you know, that's when you could take a kid who, you know, if you miss something or you didn't come to practice, then sit his ass and not hurt yourself. You know, Miami sits somebody like, you know, like De'Ara King and they're dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's – you can't be like that. You can't you can't look at one or two kids and, and believe that they're going to hold your team together. So. All right, and then the last guy is Andres Borgalis, the kicker out of uh, yeah. Champa, you know, who who is a good kicking prospect. We'll see how good once he gets here. You know, you know how those yeah. things can go with kids coming out of high school. You know, we'll see how that works out. But here's the bottom line. But you're Larry. happy with his brother, I'm sure. No doubt. His brother's been, yeah, been well, phenomenal. He, he's like, phenomenal. He'll be just like that. He'll be just yeah, like yeah. that. All right, so they're in good shape at kicker, too. So we just went through this whole class, okay? And you love every single guy. 
there's not one guy that you don't have a glowing review of, which tells me yeah. that this that this is one heck of a damn recruiting class. Okay, it can is this one heck of a recruit? Can this class come in here and start making the difference for Manny Diaz? Some of them can. Some of them aren't ready, like we talked about Ishmael and guys like that are two and three years on. I mean, I had opinions and I was glowing about them, but I did put the realistic timeline when they would be able to help the team. I mean, you right. know, you're, you know, if you have a kid who you draft in baseball that throws 95, that's nice. But if that's all he has, how far is he going to go? Major leaguers are going to be able to hit him as soon as they start timing the ball. Well, that's the same thing with these guys. They've got to get some experience under their belt, and they've got to, you know, you got got to get some of these scrimmages and practices and and such in this off season under the belt. That's what this last class didn't have. This last freshman class with the Restrepos and all those guys like that didn't really have this because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they could be losing some pretty damn good players. You know, you look at Quincy Roche, yeah, Jalen Phillips. They they already lost Rousseau. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, you know, I think Bubba Bolden will be coming back, but now that safety competition is going to get really crowded when you talk about Bolden, Gervin Hall, Good. Avante Williams, James Williams, um, Cam Kinchin. The way it's supposed to be, Gary. That's the way it's I'm supposed with to be. you. It's going to get really interesting at safety real quick. It'll yeah. be interesting Good. to see how fast these young kids can, can push these older guys. And, uh, so Manny's going to need, need guys to step up is the bottom line. Um, because yes. you look at that North Carolina game on Saturday, uh, Larry, and no you know, it, it, that was a bad, <laughs> bad look, man. That, that was a bad look, and 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 yeah. you know they're going to have to be replacing some pretty good players, and they're going to have to get better really fast. Uh, yeah. Alabama is the first game next year. Uh, you know you're going to have to deal with Sam Howell and North Carolina again next year. Um, you know, we'll see which way the ACC goes with the coastal division and all that. But, uh, you know, Miami at some point has to stop just being a middle of the pack ACC team. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. But, uh, man, thank you so much for your time tonight. There's nobody better and nobody I'd rather talk football with than you and, and and get your opinion on all these guys so i know everybody out here in the canes nation that's listening appreciates it and uh big day tomorrow national signing day yep. i know it's one of your your favorite days so uh i'll let you go get some sleep and um thank you so much for taking some time tonight to spend with us okay Gary. all right you all right, Larry. Thank you. Happy, yep. ho- happy holidays you too he's larry bluestein the man in dade county I think anybody that listened to that last uh, 45 minutes to an hour of us going through this recruiting class got a feel for how knowledgeable he is about these Dade County and Broward County players and gets around the state as well. So always love the opportunity to bring Larry on the show around recruiting time, you know, to give us the, 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 the skinny on all these guys. And if he's right, and they're hitting on every single guy in this class, like 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 he thinks. Then you know maybe Manny Diaz has a chance to make this program better in the next one to two years because he's going to have to. You know you you can't be sitting here two years from now and you know not having been the Charlotte or something and make a case that you know you deserve a con- uh, another three four year contract extension. I I mean I think it's you know Miami has got to get back at some point in our lifetime 
to being Miami again. So, um, but either way, it, it, this is a, dec- a very good-looking recruiting class, and you know, I I would like to see them get out of town a little bit more. And I'm not going to make excuses for the fact that they didn't. Uh, I, I think that there's 18 top 100 players throughout the state of Florida, and we're getting two of them tomorrow. Uh, I, I think Miami needs to get to being better than that and getting more of those type of kids. I think we've got to become a player in the uh, you know other parts of the state more than what we are right now. I think we've got to be able to go out, out of state and get more elite players. I think Arroyo is an example of what you can get out of state. A Brevin Jordan is an example of what you can get out of state and bring here. But you got to be able to do that multiple times every single year to make this the kind of program that all of us want to see it be. So as we get into future recruiting cycles, that's what I'm going to be looking for. But this year with the coronavirus, the fact that kids couldn't visit, how screwed up the whole thing was, I think tomorrow, if you're a Miami Hurricane fan, you got to be happy with the level of talent that's going to be coming into the program. And um, several of them are early entry kids. So they're going to be here very, very quickly. And they'll be part of spring practice, assuming there is a spring practice, if this damn coronavirus would get the heck out of here. And, um, you know, so they, they, they could start hopefully developing very, very quickly. All right, guys, I, I know I didn't get to the questions on the message boards uh, tonight. Um, I'm going to hold on to them and uh, our next show, uh, I'll I'll figure out, uh, you know, we'll we'll probably do something next Tuesday to talk about the the bowl game and and who the Canes are going to play a little bit. And I'll keep those questions packed up here. Uh, We'll get into them extensively on next Tuesday night's show. Um, Again, I want to thank Larry for being part of it. The callers tonight were exceptional. I know everyone's animated and angry, um, not with, not without reason. That was a rough Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium. But the Canes will move on. We'll find out Sunday who the bowl opponent is going to be. And then we'll come back next Tuesday night and talk about all of these things a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit more recruiting. We'll talk about the bowl game. Uh, maybe some guys will start making decisions on whether they're going to play, whether they're going to go pro. I'm sure by a week from today, we'll still have plenty to talk about. So. Until then, I'm going to say great show, everybody, and good night.